It's them that does, and them that don't, and them that says they will but won't. So if Satan tempts you, hold on tight, cause you can't do wrong doing right. It's them that's good, and them that's mean, and them that's somewhere in between. But it looks to me from what I've seen that you can't do wrong doing right. Look at that gal, Delilah. She had them all in a spin. She clipped the mighty Samson, but she got caught when the house fell in. So you see, there's got to be just one road for you and me. Let old Satan know he's lost the fight, cause he can't do wrong doing right. <laughs> And I see where we're living in a mighty age With television and rocket planes And air condition on streamlined trains That's right, Deacon Nally Hall This could all lead to man That's right, chillin' So don't lose sight of the basic things of wrong and right Them that shall And them that shan't And them that wish they could but can't But it's them that does that sees the light Cause you can't do wrong doing right Right them that's meek and them that's bold. Now don't ask me, but I've been told it's the meek that plays them pops of gold. Cause you can't do wrong doing right. Right. Look at old Big Elias. Bragging about his size. Picking on little David. Yes, but he got his right between the eyes. So you see, it's got to be just one road for you and me. Let old Satan know he's lost the fight cause you can't do wrong doing right. You say you can't do wrong doing right. That's got it. Oh, you can't do wrong doing right. Reiterate it. No, you can't do wrong doing right. Let him hear it. You can't do wrong doing right. And there she is. Hello, Patricia. Hello, Walden. How are you? What's good? Happy Saturday again already. We've made it through another seven days. No. Are you missing Christmas? Uh Uh-huh. Well, we have some post-Christmas in July stuff. Well, we could always just change the calendar and just say this is July, really. Nobody will notice. I think people would notice. No! Ah, doof it. No! Yeah, well, we're in trouble. He took a nap today, folks. Yeah, yeah, let's see here. Let's see. Now, let's see. Is this the 6th? So, let's see. There's 25 more shopping days this month. And <laughs> 30 in September. Let's see. That's 55. And October has 31. So, that's 86. And November has 30. That's 80. That's, oh, my God, 116. And Christmas Eve is Hogs on a Saturday. Let's see. 20. Well, only 140 more days away. That's scary. All right. Have you got your shopping done, everybody? Give us a call. 715-545-2071. It's going to be a long seven hours, isn't it? <laughs> well, we have a theme tonight. Uh, what, what, what is the theme? Do you want to tell me about your week first, or do you want to hear the theme? Well... You know, I think we, we, you know, the last few weeks, we were going to get the theme out, and people jumped in before we ever got the theme out. So let's sneak it in first. So I will sneak in the theme. Last week was the end of Christmas and July season, which, of course, Walden um, is not happy about. His little head is hanging. <laughs> and we're not going to go to New Year's this year. You're really going to have to wait for the real thing. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh. You better get the theme in. I, I have to I have to try. I can't talk that fast. <laughs> 
So should we make a executive decision? Should we go? You know, there was a song called Hoo Hoo. Hoo Hoo. Hello there. Hello, it's Kurt. Kurt, how are you? How are you? I was kind of lit. Well, I was just, um, I'm trying to get this whole Dropbox business solved. Uh-oh. And so, anyway, once I do that, Walden, I will set up a link, uh, try to share a folder with you. And, Great. Uh, so... If it's easier for you to get stuff on Dropbox. Well, I, I'd be able to get spend sp send space. I just need a little time to figure it all out. Well, so one, I, can, I mean, Dropbox seems to be. I mean, that's what you like anyway, right? Well, it's what I've been taught for. So I. That's I, fine. You I, know, I I I'll be happy to do send. I am flexible. If I, I have, if Walden Mile, I am flexible. So I well, just need to be. If I can get it. If I can get Dropbox to work though, um, then. I'll be sending you those two okay. those two files on Dropbox. If not, as long as, well, long as you two people are being so flexible. Yes. Would you tell everybody what Dropbox is, please? It's, it, a, it's a file sharing utility. Right. It's a cloud service, and some of us find really others others are no nervous about it because you know uh, it, it, it's hooking up to computers, and you just never know. And so last week we tried uh, SendSpace, and we've been, I, I got, still have to learn, there's got to be a way to make that work. And I just need my uh, tutor, the one who already met the Lori Gaffman, to have time to do that. And if not, uh, Dropbox, and there's probably other ones out there. But mm. there's, there's That's Dropbox.com and SendSpace.com. Kurt, you sent me something with SendSpace.com, right. and it is so easy to use. I sent it out to Walden, and because he learned Dropbox first, this is causing all sorts of... Yeah, well, SendSpace apparently just recently has changed something because a lot of people are having the same problem he is, uh, trying, it, trying to find the file and then hit the thing that says download it. And, and as a blind person, um, because I stopped paying for it, but because I because so many people use it, for so many different things, it's worthwhile to pay like $55 a year to be able to download so much from it. Yeah. In most cases, I would say don't pay for it, but because so many of the blind community use SendSpace, then it it it's so easy to to use their wizard to drop a whole bunch of links in and say, you know, over download these 37 books for me or whatever. Yeah. And so, uh, but the thing about Dropbox is, is they have much bigger file sizes. That's the nice thing about Dropbox. Mm -hmm. And so, because Dropbox, I think, it goes up to, can go up to like two gigs, I think. It, well, and then if you have more people, you can go up to eight. Yeah, but I mean in terms of file size. Right off, no, you can go up to eight gigs right off, uh -huh. uh, as you add people onto it. But yeah, they first offer you two, you bet. I think it's 250 megabytes for each person. You know, it's almost like a pyramid, like an Amway. And for each person who joins in your name or under your account gets an additional 250 megabytes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and they add up pretty fast. Yeah, you, yeah. you got Googling fingers there, I'll tell you. Yeah. Well, also another free thing I want to give out that's really terrific is also Skype. You know, yeah, if... Um, Cause a lot of us are using it, and it's, and it's free phone call around the world just by hooking up your two computers. Yeah, the only problem is that this computer I have, my computer at work had um, a microphone, a thing that when I hooked up the microphone mm -hmm. and the earphones, yep. uh, 
I could talk directly on the computer. On this other computer that was built for me, I don't know that it has... I mean, it's got to have them somewhere. Well, it basically, it, yeah, uh, mine is in the back. I have a five-year-old computer, and, you know, most people go here and buy mine it. Mine is probably in the back, too. Yeah, yeah, I would say it's in the back. It would be, you know, there's three there's three holes in the, at least mine. Right. Mine can XP, three holes in the bottom, and it's either the far left or the far right. You just got uh, you got to yeah. mess with it, that's all. Yeah, well, I may look into that, too, because, yeah. um, um, you know, I do have, I, it would be nice to, you know. For example, for example, our friend Lori Gaffin today, he and John interviewed Beverly Washburn through Skype. They got Scott, uh, Beverly up and running through Skype, and they were able to have a conversation that sounds like you're in, in-house. in Right. And it's another free thing. It's another freebie for crying out loud. Well, I'll tell you, I think, I think Oprah did her last year's worth. I mean, so many of the people that were on her, uh, on there, we're on, you know, mm-hmm. TV, Skype, or whatever, you know. Yep. I mean, that's the way to go. I mean, as far as you got good sound and you can't even, you know, you don't know where they are. Yeah. Well, you know, you. I had a, I had a relative, uh, married to a relative, um, who worked for the telephone companies, and he said years ago, honestly, while the whole infrastructure of the telephone company, the phone lines, they could easily give long distance away for free. And because of the computer technology and the cell phones, they're basically driving the telephone company to offer free long-distance passage thing to keep people. You know, it's just because with all the new technology, it's giving everybody a run for their money. Right. By the way, I saw on OT, look up on uh, internetarchive.org, I mm-hmm. saw a series, which I never heard of before, called Up for Parole. I've seen the title. I haven't listened to one. Yeah. Okay. I just I saw that under. Mm-hmm. If you just put in OTR, there's all kinds. I mean, there's there's hundreds of of uh, of things out there. Up for parole is one of the qualifying shows for my really awful shows file. Okay. It is so bad, it's baffling that it ever got to radio. Huh. Have you listened to it? No, not yet. Oh, you have to. Oh, you have to. I'm so glad that you found some. Uh, And I haven't mentioned my really awful shows recently, so I have a really awful show to play tonight. And for anyone who wants some really awful shows, I have a really awful file of really awful shows um, that are so bad, they're fun to listen to. Whatever, what other candidates do we have for this role of uh, role of shame here? We have Zorro. Zorro is one of the shows that I'm going to play tonight. They hit the Patricia Hall fame. Okay. Yes, it is. You know what? You and Walden keep talking for just a second. All right. Let me. She's gonna pull up the list of the Hall of Fame that made it to Patricia's top fifty. Okay. You know what? Actually, one of the shows that I used to think really for sure belonged in that. Yeah. Was Magic Island. I know, and Donna asked him much love because he's ran at least twice on the whole network. And no comes... kidding, I just downloaded it um, <laughs> for Nolan. I have it in an envelope for Nolan. So. And, and well, it's not, okay. Well, it, I hope it's now 130 chapters the one you got because it isn't. It isn't. No, it, it's an incomplete series by all means. But um, well, I believe there's an OTRR version of it. I I think. I forget if there were problems with that version or not, because I remember, I I remember having that show on tape. You guys, 
was it last year, last week, or a week before? You guys were talking about reels of tapes scattered throughout the house. Yep. And because it was 128 shows, I think I don't remember how many reels it was on, but it was one of the. I think it was one of the worst ever shows on radio. Well, considering it was syndicated in 1935, so it go way, way back there. And I, but I have to tell you, by the way, that I am enjoying Jerry of the Circus. I I I do sort of like that myself too. It's I mean, you know, it's it's what you would expect. It's but, a great kids show. It, oh yeah, but I mean, it was a good, you know, it, it was a good show with you know with all the stuff that they went through and and. You know, the thing gets me about some of the early thirty show the, syn- the syndication show. I'm talking about Jerry the Circus and Speed Gibson. Oh, the film music is forever. Oh, I know. Yes. And, and being able to jump over that film music into the drama without wasting too much time. Mm-hmm. I can do it on the stream by setting the the uh, thing for a minute and jumping over a couple of times, and then sometimes you have to jump back a minute, but it's easier than listening to all that music for so long. And for the audience who may or may not know why they did that, um, you have radio recorders, different companies who were going to syndication business in the 30s. And they would hire the actors, they would press a series of records and send it out to the local stations. And then the local station would sell it, sell their own time. So it was the local announcer reading the local commercial, and they would have the music underneath it. Mm-hmm. And that's why they did it that way. Um, you want a handful of samples? Oh, yes. Okay. Well, along the way, we have a couple of Jack Webb shows, and... Uh, I like, you mean the, the, the Jack Webb show, the, uh-huh. the humorous one? The Jack Webb show, right. I liked, well, there were things I liked a lot about that show. You know what, it, it, there are a couple of things that were really funny, but the show itself yeah. took it as a snapshot of old-time radio. It was pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Another one that is so bad, it was it's fun to listen to. So I do have the two, I think there are only two shows that are surviving, and I do have both of them. Um, we've got, these are singles now here. Um, the origin of superstition was really dreadful. I don't even know what a pineapple picador is, but we've got two of those. No, me either. A Hawaiian bullfighter? Uh, well, well I, I think, yeah, I think it was a music show. Yeah, it sounds like it would uh-huh. almost had, had to. Yeah. But it wasn't Hawaiian music. No. It was really very strange. No, I think, was, I think they get tired of a dull pineapple or something like that with a sponsor. Okay, well, it wasn't very good. No. Name is even worse, so I, I think I managed to toss it in there just because of the name. So we've got Black Flame of the Amazon. Nope, haven't heard any of those. Flare of the Mounties is my personal favorite. <laughs> It'll know a lot of people, I, I would imagine, like Flare of the Mounties, but it is such a pale comparison to any of the other Mountie shows that are out there. It, it's It's pretty bad. Danger, Dr. Danfield. Oh, yes. Frank yes. Yeah, that's Frank Brzee's, um yeah, yeah. I, I listened to a couple of them last week, and they are bad. John, yeah, John Dunning mentioned that in his first book. That was, huh? in his opinion, the worst of all the worst shows. Family Doctor. Now, I'm thinking that that one was a Marcus Welby on steroids. Well, yes. Uh, yeah, it was. I mean, and... I mean, for its time, mm-hmm. you know, it's not, I don't think it's as bad as, you know, no. as some of the others. It, it's in, in hokiness, it's, yes. it, it gets a 9 out of 10. Um, Ghost Corps. 
Oh, yes. Cannot forget. And I do not know why anybody even would, would like to listen to, to both series, because there were two, two stories in that series. Ah, interesting. Well, I've only got, um, let's, it looks like I've got three shows on. Oh, well, there's like... There might be others available. Or 13 in each series, Walter. Yeah, it's, it's almost like close to 30 episodes or some crazy thing. Sounds reasonable. Mm -hmm. I, I'm being merciful. All of this fits on a single CD. So. Yeah. In Valley Line. Um, oh, that's one of Patricia's all-time favorites. I, I hope to tell you. I mean, it's bad. <clears throat> yeah, well... You know, but there are an awful lot of people who really like that. This is a story. The Green Valley Line is a choo-choo train, and the choo-choo train gets in trouble, and we've got these nefarious people who are trying to put the train service out of business. And, yes. And it's a boy-meets-girl type thing, and they kiss and live happily ever after at the end of the, what, 13, 39? I think, I think there were, what, only 13 or 26. I don't remember, but... 26. Let me see here. You actually kind of expected it to continue, and it didn't. I know. <laughs> and I think that was a merciful end. In my understanding, it was a local show. Oh, okay. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. No, I, I thought it was wider than that. Mm -mm. Well, anyway, with the Green Valley Line is is my one of my um, haunting hour was bad. Hermit's Cave was bad. Now, I put Jerry at Fair Oaks in here. Uh, Jerry at the Circus was pretty good, or Jerry of the Circus, rather, and Jerry at Fair Oaks is, is pretty much a, a mirror image in a different setting. Jerry just gets into trouble in a different place. But um, yeah, well... This isn't my cuppa, so that's how come yeah. I'm in there. Um, lives of Great Men, if you want to hear an absolute assault on history, you must listen to Lives of Great Men. Okay. Yeah, you can you can look that one up. I have mercifully, I'm be I'm having mercy on people. I only put three of those shows in here. Nona from nowhere. <laughs> Never even heard of that one. I didn't either. That's why it's there. Peril. Peril was not good. Planet Man. Planet Man was some, um, you know, an inexpensive Flash Gordon. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, and I think it's BBC even too. Oh yeah, they they put it on as Eve. This is an American production. Oh, okay. I don't know then. But uh, the BBC picked up so many of these things. Uh, ports of Call. There's a huge collection of Ports of Call. You go visiting a different place. Yeah, OTRR has got a couple, uh, uh, has got a collection of that out. Yeah, treat yourself to Oh, okay. I have heard some of those, actually. They're, they're pretty bad. The Clutching Hand. This is Nora Drake, which is, I, I guess it, for a soap opera, it wasn't too bad. It, it just, you know, in, in contemporary times, it misses. The Witch's Tale, I thought, was a dreadful show. And Zorro. Uh, yeah, well, you've picked a couple of the, of the Hummerts. I don't know if they did both Hermit's Cave and The Witch's Tale, but... No, they, they, um, Hermit Cave came out of, uh, out of L.A. originally, okay. and The Syndicate came out at KMPC, 
and which and which which tale was a uh, Lonzo Dean Cole creation? Okay, well, yeah, no, the, I, whether that was really horror or not, I would say no. But I, I think those show because they were so early in the game, they gotten such notoriety, especially with the tale. It went back to the early thirties. Yeah, and I think it's um. Is legendary status is due because of the of the. Uh, they were cutting edge. They, uh-huh. they were the front runners yeah. on this. That's they must have had many better. Than that was that. cutting edge. They must have had real dull knives back then. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it was the butter knife edge, I guess. Um, oh no! But I do. I did pull a Zorro show for play later tonight. Yeah. I thought that would be a great example of my collection of awful shows. By the way, when you looked when when you were looking for or doing that Shandu stuff, did you find much some of the 1939 stuff? Oh dear. Because I was looking under OTR, and one of the thing was uh, was some Shandu from 1939. They were in two sections, and I'm sorry they're in your envelope also. Oh, that's okay. No, I was just curious for you. Is something that you might take a look at? Yeah, they were in two sections. There was a huge gap in the center somewhere. Because it's an easy show, it's um, if you want to download and add more to your stuff, if it's yeah. that you don't have, it's something I happened to see under OTR was one of the shows was Chandu the Magician, and then in the comments it said something from 1939 um, or whatever. 39, 38, there might have even been some from 38. Uh, that was kind of a fun show. Yeah, it, well, I mean, you know, like I said, I mean, Magic Islander was bad because it was, although... As I remember, the one good thing about Magic Island is that I don't think it had music. Um, it also didn't have political correctness. Well, no, but there wasn't much of that before, <laughs> no. before World War II. I mean, this is about as politically incorrect as you Tri- can get. Tri- trivia question. Yeah. On Sean Do the Musician. Yeah. The first one, the early day run. Yeah. What famous radio personality got big break on that show? Uh, Al Chicago. Um, well, Tom Collins picked it up. Mm-hmm. Collier? And big, bigger, bigger than Co- Tom Collins. Well, I didn't think Tom Collins was particularly good. No. Um, I'm not going to say Bud Collier. No. I already did. Uh, Bud Hall was New York, Mm-mm. and it started in Chicago. I don't know. Paul Harvey? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Radio had a great career in comedy in Hollywood. He was a star of his own radio show. Do not know. Uh... He took over for a fellow Chicago personality. The comedy show ran for 17 years on the network. Oh, uh, Harold Perry? Harold, who took over for Harold Perry? Waterman. Yes, that he that was his first break. Waterman was in... What did he do? Was he, he an announcer? No, he, he was the lead for a while. You are kidding. No, in the early one. Wow. Yeah. I wonder if those are those ones from I don't, I, I don't know. I bet this is like 32 when it first took oh. it first, and I don't think we have any that yeah. early yeah. back. But. Frank Chan, do the magician. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. On, on the hunt for Robert Regent. Um, for people who don't know Chan Do the magician, it was kind of a, a magical show. He learned secrets from the yogi, and he didn't cloud men's minds, but he saw... He could see through a crystal and see the future and see what was happening mm-hmm. in other places. And they were on the search for Robert Regent, his sister's husband, who they assumed was dead, but they were looking for anyway. And he was a 
scientist, and he had these wonderful secrets that everybody wanted to get their hands on. So it was kind of a nifty and unusual adventure show. Now, what was the what was the magic show that they had a storyline, and at the end of every show, they told how to do a magic trick? Oh, that was Blackstone the Magician. Yes. Uh huh. Oh, it's oh, I thought you very were very good. And I want you to know, yes. also know, that that character was based on Harry Blackstone, mm-hmm. the, one of the, um, if not the, most respected magician in the early 1900s. And, and his son, his Harry son Blackstone took, yeah. Jr. I remember hearing his son being interviewed by Larry King one night. Yeah, He, he did Larry Blackstone Jr.? Uh-huh. Wow. Yeah. Very cool. But that, that was kind of fun. Okay, did, what are, did you say we have a theme tonight? Yeah. I'm, we have a theme tonight. Oh, good. Um, let me see here. Got to pull back up my goodies. And we have, because last week was the end of Christmas season, poor Walden is hanging his head. So now it's time to return or hide the strange gifts, the ties that could light up the world, the set of golf clubs that was obviously bought on sale because it's a right-handed set with a left-handed putter, one of those deals. Um, And incidentally, the National Sporting Goods Association says one-fourth of all athletic products are purchased during November and December. I believe that. Think period. You take them back in January? And and you take them back in January. So tonight, I am asking, what is the weirdest or worst gift you ever received and took back or wanted to return? That's that's pretty. Yeah, I, I actually I've never really received a gift that was so either so terrible or or whatever that you know inappropriate would be. Yeah, no, I never. No, but I will tell you one gift that everybody else thought was inappropriate, but I just had to have it when I was about four. Was a coloring book. Now you have to understand, people, those of you that do not know that I am one of the legion of blind listeners to this wonderful show. But everybody else, my brother had my, both my older and my younger brother had one and my sister wasn't born yet and I had to have one. And so I got one. I cannot tell you how well I colored. I don't think I did very well, but I never knew. And uh, like I said, I had to have it. And and I, I also used to color on those slate things you know that you'd pull the, the paper off and it would make that noise. Uh-huh, the plastic, the plastic yep. one, yeah. Oh, I know, I know what you mean. Yeah. And when I was when I was in school, when I was in kindergarten or first grade or whatever, I used to draw on the chalkboard because I always wanted to make that noise like the teachers made. I, <laughs> I, you know. Yeah. Um. And of course, as a blind person, you never knew you never know what they write up there. Yeah. But. Um, which, by the way, I got Harlan Ellison with once. I called Ellison on the radio, and, of course, he's a curmudgeon anyway. And uh, <laughs> he was talking about, about uh, oh, well, nobody, nobody reads the articles in Playboy. And I called up, and I said, well, I would just like you to know that <laughs> I do indeed read the articles in, in Playboy. Of course, I, I said, I do have to tell you also that I read it in Braille. So I don't get to see the pictures. So when I so when I saw him in a class at Cal State Fullerton, he came to lecture, and so I raised my hand and said, "Listen, I said, um, 
uh, you know, I would like you, can you please read what you're writing on the board? Um, and, and, you know, and I said, by the way, I said, I'm the guy that, uh, that, that reads the articles in Playboy. So, of course, then he had to explain to the audience uh, what I had called and said. Yeah. You are a hoot. Well, <laughs> you know, I... I have two questions. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. That's, a, that's all I was going to say. It was just one of those things. I'm going to ask you about a coloring book. There was something special about the smell of crayons to me when I was little. Did you well, pick that up? Well, they did. I mean... I don't think that they ever. I don't think that they smell different. But actually, the thing I like the smell of, and actually, so did so did my wife. She said was mimeograph. Remember the the smell of mimeograph paper and um, and copies on the mimeograph machine. What is like? Walden probably wouldn't because you're just. Yeah, I'm too young. You're just young enough. That <laughs> they didn't. They weren't doing mimeographs probably by the time you were in school. No, no, not in school. I probably maybe still in the business world, but I don't. You know, I know about it, but I never. I don't remember definitely even seeing it in school. But I always liked. I always liked the smell of that. But you're right, Patricia. Crayon always had that sort of that wax smell to it. Right, there was always wax smell, mm -hmm. smell but it didn't. It, it wasn't like different, and uh, you know, in terms of colors or or anything. But yes, it did have that kind of wax. Waxy smell. Wouldn't that be interesting? What an idea if they put different scents in different colors. Hmm. Yeah, that would have been a good idea. Well, you know, there were some books, and maybe you remember these, Kurt, that they were the scratching smell. Yes. Yes, they you did know. have... There was a book called Christmas and the Year Ahead, which became Expectations Later. And they used to have a, a page of those in the middle of that book. Um, for the blind, and they would always send, and, and they had, and of course, expectations. Uh, Christmas in the year had also had um, had pictures for the blind as well. Mm -hmm. I also remember the kid when I started my site, the books that the kid, the children's books that you open, things would pop up. Oh yes. You know, be uh, like a bowling alley or, or a castle or thing. It actually would unfold and be and be standing up on your page. Right. I never I never actually saw one of those. Mm -hmm. I know that yeah, I know that they existed. Are you in the market for a question? Sure. All right. Got a got a Richard Diamond question. Okay. Dick Powell. Yep. Who plays Richard Diamond. Yes. Private detective. Mm-hmm. Did something at the end of every show. What did he do? Oh I Well, you mean the singing? Yeah. yeah. He always sang and yeah. He, I I like Dick Powell. I did too. I yeah. mean, he was actually. I mean, it, it didn't have it didn't have the hard boiled punch that I thought Philip Marlowe had, but no. he was but, a soft boiled detective. Huh? He was a yes, he was. Old detective. He was, <laughs> but that whole business with Levinson every week, and and I mean, it was a good a good uh, very smooth good show. <laughs> Would you like my collection of awful shows? Yeah, why not? I think you will enjoy some of them. <laughs> the the file of single shows, and there are a lot of them. Um, I think you'll get a big kick out oh, of. Oh yeah, and you can see why there was only one. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that, yeah. that, that, that we are thankful that only two of each exist. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Those deals, yes. Okay, I will pop that out to you. Okay, and uh, let's see. My next doctor visit is the sixteenth, so that's not until what, 10 days away yeah so yeah. i will be talking to you before that good
But um, keep up the good work, and Walden, hopefully, if I can get it to work, I'm going to put you down uh, to send you a, uh, a link so that we can share folders and I Sounds can send great. stuff more easily to you. Sounds great. We'll do, work it out. Okay. Thank Talk to you guys later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 714-545-2071. That's the magic number. You can, if it's only 10 digits long, well, actually, you stick to 1 to 11. But, you know, 1. 714-545-2071. A magic number. You know, I was thinking about pulling some Dick Powell music out. I was just in the mood, but I got, I got thinking about other music, so I pulled that other stuff out. Hello there, you're on the air. Uh, guess who this is? Well? Hello, it's Charles from New Jersey. Oh my gosh. Oh. See, you couldn't guess, Jeez. Well, you, for if, you. you know, if you would have kept talking about Patricia and I would have worked on it. We would have, we would have. We could have said a chalk from the North Pole. No, it's not the North Pole here, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> it isn't. How are you doing? All right. How are you both doing? Fine. We're super. Sounds like you got the air conditioning on. Yes. It's only 80 degrees? Well, honestly, it's been, well, two weeks ago we hit 107 as a normal temperature. The heat index was 120. Mm. <laughs> now it's just in the upper 70s and 80s and it's humid. I don't know. Mother Nature has been having hissy fits for two years now. And That's crazy. <laughs> who I wonder when, when people started to publicize the heat index. Cause I don't ever really remember that 10 years ago. Oh, it was after all longer than 10 years. You think years. so? That really, that started to become something that they really started to talk about. Yeah. No, it, it was it was more than 10 years ago. Mm. They didn't call it the heat index, though. No. They called it something else. Hmm. I don't know. I always known it as the heat index. Uh, you know, this week I heard that Texas and Oklahoma both oh. hit, hit, hit 115. Oh, yeah. Oh. You know. Texas has now had 36 straight days of 100 or more, and the only reason it's only 36 days is that they had one or two days in a row where it was only like 98. They got a break. They had months of this. <laughs> I think they're getting colder now. I think it's supposed to only hit 92. <laughs> so what have you been doing, Charles? Everything okay up there? Yeah, still waiting for my... Uh thing to get settled with my job. It's taking right. too darn long. Okay. Just a joke. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. Are you in the market for a question tonight? Yeah, if I can, uh, if I know it, I'll answer it, yes. <laughs> oh, what are you going to, uh, what are you going to do? Well, give me a shot. I'll see if I can answer it. <laughs> what was the name of the telephone operator in Fibber McGee and Molly? Oh, great, the show I don't like. Oh, no, are you serious? Oh. I don't, I, honestly, I guess, I don't know, just, I just can't get into that show. I think it's a mortal sin. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just... <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, Charles, my heart. I think you're the first one we've ever talked to who's thumbed down on Fibber McGee and Molly. I wouldn't, no, I wouldn't say it's thumbs down. I'll listen to it, but I'm not just, you know, I'm, I'm, I can't get into it like the, you know, my, the Jack Benny or the shows I like. I just can't get into that show. Charles, when... I don't know, it's just, you know... Charles, when... Uh-huh. 
Someone says, I hate that show. She's going to say, don't ever call again. <laughs> he done deal that they're not in love with it. <laughs> okay, well, even though you hate the show, <laughs> do you happen to... Oh, hate, I wouldn't say hate, I just... But you rolled your eyes, I could hear that. <laughs> you think I'm kidding, I, I know these things, I know these things. All right, do you know the, uh, the name of the operator? No. Oh, Charles. All right. You, uh, what's the name of the operator of the Jack Mini show? Oh. Oh, God. I know it's two women. Mm-hmm. Cruel. Yeah, cruel. That's for sure. <laughs> oh, he puts me on a... He puts me on a... Uh-huh. Oh, boy. Oh, God. Well, well, we'll pretend that he didn't ask that. No, we'll just skip over that one. Then we'll make him answer it in a couple of minutes. All right. Once I hear, if I hear a show, and I'll know it, yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Do you know the name of Blondie's husband? Oh, yeah, that's easy. Blondie! Oh, jeez. <laughs> Dagwood. Yes? Dagwood. All right. All right. And the dog's name was Daisy, yeah. How many puppies did Daisy have? Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Too many. <laughs> It's correct. I really don't know the correct number. I think it's 11, but there's somebody out there who can help me and know how many puppies Daisy had. Yeah, she was she was she was the octomom of uh, dogs, yeah. Right, or the How do you how do you say the 11 mom? I don't know. <laughs> Nine mom and the 11 mom, I don't know. Charles, what can I send you? What do you think you might enjoy? Well, we know it's not Fever McGee and Molly, so we know that. <laughs> Maybe we should make him listen to a few. We could. Well, I I do listen to it, but I just, you know... Liar, liar, pants on... <laughs> <laughs> there is no way you would volunteer... I'll listen to it, but I just can't, you know, just don't grab me like my other, my favorite shows I always listen to. I don't know. Favorite shows. What's, what's on the Charles from New Jersey's top five favorite shows list? Uh, Jack Benny, mm -hmm. Suspense. Mm -hmm. Really? Jonathan Allen, Bickerson's. The Whistler. That's five. And then, yeah, there's more. So, which ones would you like me to send? Well, I got most of them, but I just see. Uh, I don't know. If, I have two options. The first option, I don't know if you can, you consider it old time radio. If there's, if you can find them out there, the Mystery Theater from CBS. CBS Mystery Theater, sure, I've got them. Okay, that's easy. Then. You've got well, it. You said that Hermit's Cave was a bad show. Why? Because of the guy laughing in the beginning? <laughs> no, it was it was really hokey. It it had absolutely nothing spooky about it. <laughs> it was like a bad Halloween presentation from somebody who really hated Halloween. You know, it would be like asking you to put on a Fibber McGee and Molly show. Shoot, <laughs> I'm going to hear this. You know, I thought it was fun. <laughs> when I ran the John Dana interview with John Dunning a couple of weeks, he was the original Hermit Hermit and Hermit Cade. No. KMP, nope. And he also doubled. <laughs> he was also the guy who played the organ. <laughs> so he would, he would, he said he would read the lines and run over and play the organ and come back. So he, he had two jobs in that show. It was. What, God, what, the, what, what didn't that guy do? <laughs> I don't know. He was a cartoonist. He, he was definitely multi-talented. There's no doubt about God, every, that. It seems like every show he. He's in. Mm -hmm. He's probably in Fibber McGee and Molly. I don't know. Maybe he was the operator. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> Charles, you get a gold star for that one. <laughs> I, 
doing it? The, no, the opera, and it wasn't Mert, was it? Oh, my it God. Was Mert. It was Mert. Man. Oh, so it just came to me. It just, like, automatic. Oh, you know. that was painful. That was painful. You really had to struggle for that one. Well, because I, 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 as I said, I do listen to the show. Uh-huh. You know, I know I remember the famous closet routine, and, you know, the... Uh-huh. And then all of a sudden, I always, I, all of a sudden, I just thought of operator, and I always remember Tripper saying, what's up, Mert? There. See? Okay, Mert's the, oh, maybe Mert's the operator. Indeed. <laughs> well, CBS Mystery Theater was an excellent, excellent series, and boy, they had some stuff that would scare the socks off people. Yeah, some of the shows was in, you know, wasn't that good, been, but as you said, you get to them shows that are scary, it's like, sh- I remember I went, this is how I got hooked on old-time radio. I would, you know, come home from grammar school, and the local station here would play it. And it just, every night I listened to that and got hooked ever since. Um, it, it had some good stuff. Even if it's not an ultra-spooky show, the production itself was always top-notch. Always top-notch. Hyman Brown did it, and E.G. Marshall hosted it. And oh, yes, E.G. Marshall was really good in that. So... Come in, welcome. Right, welcome. Okay, well, CBS Mystery Theater is yours, and I will get them in the mail. Okay. It's good to talk to you. I'm glad everything is okay. I'm surviving, yeah. <laughs> Can't complain. What the heck? <laughs> we'll figure out what to do with you and Fibber McGee and Molly. <laughs> Funny. <laughs> oh, I hate that show. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't mean it like that. It just... <laughs> yes, you did. Spontaneous reactions are always the more truthful. Oh, man. Oh, she's boy. got you on the spot, Charles. You're not going to be wiggling out of that. You're doomed, oh. Charles. You're doomed. That's like when it was cold in Florida. I said something. I heard it for the six months. Mm-hmm. Of course. Of course. You don't expect me to let something like that go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was good fodder for six months. Gee whiz. You were good. Uh, how, how's the other regular callers that call in doing? Well, if you listened... Uh oh. Fine. They're all doing very well. Oh good. Well, maybe maybe one of them don't like Fibber McGee and Molly either. Sure. I know that we have people out there who do not have Fibber and Molly as their number one show, but I'm going to give you a hard time about it for a <laughs> long time. Oh boy. A very long time. In the meantime, CBS Mystery Theater is yours. Well, at least one thing is good is Emily's not going to hit you. What's not going to hit you? Emily. The hurricane. Is a hurricane out there? Emily. Oh, dear. Okay. They I'll... wasn't sure if it was going to hit where you are, but it's, they said it's not going to now. Oh, see, I got spoiled over the last two years, and I have not. I used to check every day, so I'll have to go back to doing that. So, Okay. You've got I'm not going to wish that on you. Oh, God. <laughs> Don't wish that on me. Well, it is really good to hear from you, Charles, and I'm so Same here. It's okay. I'll continue to live. Well, I tuned in last week at 1030, but I guess you weren't on. We, we, we were playing other stuff until we came on at 1230. Oh, I, I was... No, yes, we were. We, been, we, we had an interview. We had an interview last Saturday. We had the interview with... Um... Dusty Rogers. Oh. Roy Rogers Jr., you weren't listening then either? Oh, Charles. I tuned in at 10.30, then I heard all the other stuff going on, then I went to Dreamland. It was late, Walton. 
Walden didn't tap in until late. He had stuff going on. You're absolutely right, Charles. You are not forgiven. Who, me? (laughs) (laughs) He knows better. He knows we're going to be here. Yeah. Okay, we'll do better, Charles. (laughs) I don't know. I have to decide. Bye, Charles. Goodbye. <laughs> Have a good night. Good night, Charles. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 714-545-2071. So, number, so we got a call from the west and a call from the east. And, and wherever this may be. Real quick, first-time callers, we have not had a brand-new caller for a while. You automatically get to pick some radio shows. You don't even have to answer a question. Hello there. You're on the air. Hello. Yeah, but I can barely hear you for some real weird reason. Why not? Why can you not hear us? Oh, it's probably because... Why can you not hear us? It's my fault. Because if Larry Gaffman got two things going on at once, he's going to kill that. Yeah. Um, I'm going to have to call you back, I think, because I tried to do this so that I could uh, listen to you through my mixer and there's a seven-second delay. Well, why don't we call call me back and we'll 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 restructure the whole phone system just for you. Actually, hang on a second. Okay. Uh, hang on a second. I think I can. I can I can hear it in the background. Yep. Now. Okay. There. Can you hear that me? That better. What do you think, Patricia? Can you hear me now? It's fine. I can deal with anything. How are you? Uh, you can deal with anything. I guess you have. I can deal with anything. And you talk, you've been with Walden now for how many years? <laughs> That's right. I forgot about that. It's almost, yeah. it's almost a year and a half. It's going to be two years, practically, later this year. Yeah. I wondered about that. I knew that there was an anniversary of some sort, but I couldn't remember exactly when you came on. I know. Sort of a loose one because for a couple of years, Walden had asked me to do the Christmas shows with him, mm-hmm. and we were on for uh, a couple of different nights. Mm-hmm. And then a, a year ago, this past Christmas, so a little more than a year, a half, year and a half ago, we did a, a series of weekends. We did, what, two or three weekends uh-huh. and covered New Year's Eve. And he said... Oh, there's Jaws. Sorry about that. Keep going. You didn't hear it. <laughs> I can deal with anything. That's what, that's what I'm, I'm testing you. <laughs> You're testing my metal here. So um, he said, would, would you um, do the show with me mm-hmm. next week? And I said, yes. And he didn't mean next week. He meant forever. Forever. Well, well, and well, there I am. There she is. You know, eventually I, I, would, you know, I figured Patricia's just a good interviewer. You know, we'll get bringing guests. That way she's prepped for that. But her role is expanded to the point that I can't live without her. So that's, that's what we got. Boy, am I wanted or what? That's right. Even on the post office wall. I know. Well, considering that you know Ken have been break and been uh, having some free postage, <laughs> Natalie, I wouldn't be surprised. Oh, about it. Mm-hmm. Hi, Larry. How are you? I'm pretty well. Not too bad. Did I hear? Is John tapping in as well? No. Uh, Melinda's in the background talking on the phone. Oh, I'm John sorry. is recording. Uh, every year, uh, our barbershop organization has what's called Harmony College or Harmony University, and they have a Saturday night show that they're webcasting, and that's what he's recording now. And so I, I don't see him online, so he still must be recording. 
he recorded that, and then today on Yesterday USA, we interviewed Greg Oppenheimer uh, about Lucy's 100th birthday. They're having a marathon of shows tonight on one of the stations. Yep. Yeah, and, well, they actually, and the recreations were on uh, about 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific, and I, I got that as well. And it was actually really, really good. Michael C. Gwynn was awesome. Great. It was terrific. And uh, there were several good stuff he sang. It was very, very good. Yeah. Uh, but, but Michael in both productions was just terrific, and it, it worked out very well. There was only one little small little mistake that you barely noticed. And so it was a 90-minute show, and uh, they said they were just going to go, and whatever happened, happened. And they did very well, and I think that's pretty cool when you consider that a lot of them, are, some of them are stand-up comics, some of them are not necessarily actors in radio, and they did a, a really nice job. Well, oh. considering how Greg preps everything, I bet he had pretty intensive rehearsal. Yeah. So, uh, well, he said there was one today. I'm not surprised. And that was it, because not everybody could get in, you know, as early as he did. Okay. But but no, it was very very nice, and uh, it was it was fun to listen to, and it was neat to hear. Uh, both he did the story that they did at Reps, you know, of uh, the untold story of I Love Lucy. Right. And and then uh, they did the My Favorite Husband, where they were meeting, where he's, they were trying to get uh, the one guy a date with uh, what's her name? I forgot her name now. Starts out with them in the Bridge Club, and then. Oh, okay. Yeah, I forgot her name now. Uh-huh. It was only been two hours, but I can't remember her name. It doesn't matter. But it's a, it was a great show, and they did a nice job. So they need to really be commended for that. For, for new uh, folks who are just listening in for the first time and hearing Greg's name for the first time, Greg's dad was the originator of the I Love Lucy series on television that is playing forever and a day tonight. And by the way, Google, if you hop on to Google tonight, there is a special Google Doodle, they call them. It's an old-time television, and if you click on the dial, a clip from one of the I Love Lucy television shows comes up. They did a wonderful job on that, so I'm sorry for interrupting. Mac, I think for people who may or may not, like John Lowe, you guys were responsible for allowing great Kind of a person, and he talks, you know, very quietly and very low key. But he gets things, he gets things done. He's very meticulous. I can see where, uh, at one time, he was a lawyer and was very happy to get out of that field. But I can see where some of those kinds of preparatory uh-huh. things helped him a lot with regard to radio. And considering I deal with him on a pretty, I, he okay. he can be intense. <laughs> right. And you like that because you want somebody who's gonna. You, well, you know it too, Larry. You like to dealt, you like to hand a project off to somebody, and you know it's going to be done right. Right. And Greg is one of those guys that can. Yeah. You can hand a show and don't have to worry about it. Hey, got Josh. Got rid of, I got rid of Josh. I was tired of uh, people on Skype that was telling me when they were going online or offline, and I figured you didn't want to hear that, so I dumped Josh. And and we did interview Beverly Washburn. She's I've I heard her several times when you've interviewed her. And right. She's been on here. And she was wonderful. She's just terrific. Jared Washburn's mom? No, not Jared Washburn's mom. <laughs> Grandma? No. Grandma? She's only 12 years older than I am. Come on. No, no, no. Just, just 
just read your email and, and just leave me alone now. <laughs> God. Uh, uh, not just <laughs> watch. I never thought of that. Uh, Could you just give a couple of lines about Beverly and the roles that she played in radio? Well, she didn't do a lot of radio. She did, as far as we know, two Jack Benny programs. One was a cameo. The other was she played Mary Livingston when the Beverly Hills, uh, Beverly Hills Beavers uh, did a Benny program. Got it. Okay. Uh, the bulk of what she did was films and some television. Mm-hmm. You know, she did, she did Old Yellow. That's probably the most important thing that she said that people remember her for. Uh, Shane, uh, come back, Shane! I'll never forget that. I remember the movie a little bit, but I always remember at the very end, you know, the little boy. Yeah. Come back, Shane! Come back. In 1953, I guess it was, yeah. Mm-hmm. But she worked for Disney uh, and loved it, and we talked about that, and we talked about her book, of course, and uh, we did about 45 minutes, and, and it was, as it turned out, uh, her Skype, we, we did it on Skype, where you guys were talking about Skype right. earlier, and it worked pretty well, except that she plugged her microphone into the wrong hole, I think, because she couldn't hear me and she couldn't hear John. We could hear her. So I called her on the phone so that she could hear us through the phone. Now my, now my uh, uh, computer picked up both sides of the conversation, so it was fine. Got it. Okay, she plugged the microphone instead of the listen part. Okay. I think so, yeah. But I, I, couldn't, I couldn't log in to figure out what she had done. And it didn't matter. It was fine. We'll get it taken care of for her so that she can actually talk on Skype. She is such a sweet person to listen to. She must yes, she be a joy to talk with. Yes, she is. Yeah. So if I get it edited, um, it'll be on probably next week's show. That's what I'm, I want to do. So we'll see how that goes. It just depends on stuff. On By the way, another lousy, horrible show. Uh-oh. Why do so many of them exist? Uh, that, that I don't think I heard you mention, although I was out for a while eating dinner. Meet the Meeks. Oh, you know, I, I have come across that, and I've never listened to it. How bad is it's it? Fortunate. So bad. Is it really that bad? Oh, it's hideous. <laughs> I've got 52 programs, and I think to myself, why? <laughs> and how did it Yeah. Two weeks. You know, that's that's really interesting. Walden and I talk about this occasionally, how tenacious radio shows seemed to be. It, the, the awful ones managed to last until the end of a season, whereas in today's market, in the entertainment medium, any, any medium uh, in the entertainment industry, they would kill them after the second week. They stomp yeah. on them like grapes. Well, it's, it, and it's, it's weird in terms of syndication. Jerry Hendegas and John and I were talking a few weeks ago. He emailed us and said, hey, what information do you have on Joe Palooka? And uh, we found some information on the 1930s version with full, complete cast and everything. But there's a version now that came out during World War II, and I don't know how widely circulated it is, but it's not very good. But it's 100, 130 episodes, and there's nothing about that show. Who, who was in it? Well, John recognized somebody's voice. Now, I can't remember who. But, I mean, there were several voices, but we didn't recognize any of them. Oh, uh, Stacey Harris. Uh-huh. Stacey Harris was in New York. That's the only voice we could recognize, and we're pretty good at that. And you guys are probably considered the best in the, in the hobby of figuring out who is who. Yeah, but it, take, it took, I'll tell you, when we came back, it took me a while. 
radio quite a while actually to get into that so that I could remember voices that I had remembered before but had subsequently forgotten when we left. Okay, that's a good. Of the character actors out there, who is the hardest one to figure out? For me? Yeah. Um, women female actors. Uh. Uh, maybe it's because in many cases men's voices mm -hmm. can be more distinctive. Mm -hmm. now, now Virginia Gregg, that's a different story. Mm -hmm. And I knew her, and I know her voice. But there, are, there are some women actresses, especially in New York radio, uh, who I met later in their lives. So their voices had changed. But early on, for me, it's very tough to try and remember voices. Now there are some who are very distinctive, and it's not an issue. Certainly, uh, Mercedes McCambridge. Elizabeth, Eric, people like that. Joe, I can tell because of... Yeah. Joe Banks. I can always tell Joe yeah, Banks. Yeah, me too. Yeah. But there are others who have similar... who have voices that aren't as distinctive. And and I can rack my brains and I'll hear the credits. I go, oh, okay. I know who that is now and I, I'll recognize it next time. But uh, and, and people in the early 30s, there are some who who continued on into the 40s. They're fine. I can, I can get them. But it's the people who were in the 30s who never went anywhere after that. They're tough. They're really tough. So. Well, you really interesting. I I just pulled up Radio Gold Index and looked for Joe Paluca. Mm -hmm. He's got two shows in his files, and only some storyline bits about it. There is absolutely nothing about who the performers are. I don't know. Well, it was syndicated. I know that, but that doesn't make any difference because oftentimes syndicate shows. Sometimes you know the sheets would come in, come with the the discs for the radio stations. But well, like the Cinnamon Bear, we had to figure that one out, and I, I didn't figure them all out, but I figured quite a few of them out, and so did John. Yeah, wow! Because nobody knew who those voices were, and luckily, some, quite a few of those actors in the '30s, because it was done from here. Yeah, I think they went on to other things. I think Frank Nelson helped identify a lot of them, didn't he? If he I, did. Yeah. yeah, he did. But they were all voices that were very m memorable uh, voices from later on, like Joe Kearns. Well, and for example, we still, we still don't know who Jimmy is of the Simmons Bear. That's been the biggest mystery of the whole hobby. Jimmy Barton. Yeah. I don't know. I've, now, I've heard his voice on other shows. Right, but nobody can tell who that is. Right. Right, and I don't know why. And the scary thing, we figured out eventually of Barbara Jean Wan, who was the little girl. Right. And we, I think people loved it. I remember people... I always thought she'd be a perfect guest for Spurvac, and then I don't think we knew anything about until she passed away. And she was a school. Until she died. She, until she was a school teacher. Somebody who said she was a school teacher in the LA. Yeah, a school teacher in the LA area. Yeah, and this is into the late seventies, even in the eighties, mm -hmm. and we never found her. And right. then we had heard that she had died. Right. So, and then even people like Frank Nelson and others who had worked with her, a lot of even the radio people didn't know where she was because she got out of radio. Mm-hmm. And, and didn't pursue any kind of uh, an acting career and became a school teacher. So that's sad. Yeah. That's too bad. Yeah. And she did quite a bit of radio. Sure did. Yeah. Sure did. By the way, Patricia, did you get my link that I sent you today? I was waiting for a break. I did. I downloaded. I haven't listened to them yet, but thank you so much for doing okay. that. Uh, Walden, Larry managed to get a link to me with the zip of the organ music, the organ Christmas music. Terrific. The George Wright Christmas music. Yes. Mm -hmm. And Larry, I still owe you Duke Ellington playing parts of the uh, Nutcracker Suite. Oh, okay. I, Whatever. I, well, I told you I would send you that as well, and that's on my list, and I didn't do it yet. I apologize. Um, he, did not, okay. he, he did not play the entire, 
you know, one and a half hours worth of um, the Nutcracker Suite, but he played the essence of every single piece in the Nutcracker Suite. And I, I, it, it is straight Duke Ellington. It's wonderful. Mm. But having Duke Ellington and Nutcracker Suite used in the same sentence is so... It, it is just... It's incongruous. You wouldn't even think of it. You know, no, no. It's, it's another interesting thing that Duke Ellington did, and I went to a um, a church recital one time. Duke Ellington wrote a symphony, I think, based upon the book of Genesis, and he used it to, to, to be a way to raise food, raise money to buy food for the hungry. And he would donate it to churches and things to play it. Good for him. And... Uh, I remember going up to L.A. practically to go hear a, a jazz group to do that. So Ellington was definitely, well, Ellington was a definitely a unique individual. He ever, I, I think he, 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 would, he went to professional music school and everything. He had that background training to really know what he was doing. He was good. Well, Larry, would you like my file of really awful shows? Oh, sure. <laughs> I would love to. I, I, mean, I need to go through and look and see if I've found more that I haven't. I never chronicled any of that stuff. I just remember as I arrow through now on the computer looking for shows to play on the show. Huh? Well, you played, you, 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 you and John played Magic Island, I remember back in the mid-'80s. Yeah, we did. I liked that show, actually. <laughs> and I, I've got all 130 of them, Kurt. I only listened <laughs> oh, to them, but including oh. the introduction where the woman was looking for the little white girl in the Polynesian Islands. So, um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, if, if we want to get politically incorrect, then, then go ahead and play uh, Moon Over Africa. Yep, it was, it was period radio. And sure it was. Sure it, it, was. It, it was really good stuff. But the, the really greatest part of the awful shows is the list of single shows, as, I, as we talked about before. Mm -hmm. um, I've got Aliens in the Mind, Adventures of Marco Polo. Um, Aliens in the Mind wasn't a single show. No, well, that's, that's, I've only that's got a, a single show. It's a contemporary show done in 7980. Are we talking about the same show? I, I really don't know. I'm, I have, oh, on the CD, I've got a collection of shows themselves like ports of call oh yeah samples from ports of call but in a single in one folder i have single shows so i don't know if it was part of a larger series or these were just ones that i came across and listened mm -hmm. to now, these are personal opinion of course yeah oh yeah well, ports of call was say, how could you I, do this how could you do this but well i think we were responsible for getting ports of call into the hobby because somebody donated in the spurred bag huh? and i think John dubbed them all from disc, and as we, he was dubbing them, I, I said, I realize this is history, but this will probably be the first and last time I ever listen to them. <laughs> this is he did nothing for me. You know, and I, I, I pulled down the whole collection, and I thought, I, I just can't do this to people, and I, aside from the fact that it took a DVD to... Sure you can. You just have to force yourself. <laughs> okay, I will force myself. We've got Tales of Tomorrow. Uh, okay. The Hidden Truth. Um, oh, yeah. Rescue Party. A, a, a lot of these are probably single shows, not parts of series. Um, what do we have here? 2000 Plus, The Green Thing. I think. It, yeah, that's not a single show. I mean, there were several done. 2000 Plus, and I do have a collection of the 2000 Plus. I think it was just The Green Thing, the show itself, that struck me as not being so really good, you know? <laughs> 
Yeah. And of yeah. course, a couple of Jack Webb shows. Um, yeah, that was from 46 in San Francisco. They were comedy shows. As far as I know, those are the only two that exist. Yeah, I, I, and I've looked and looked and looked, and those are the only two that I've, I've ever been able to find. Do you know if there are more out there? No, there aren't. But there, if, if there are, they're not in circulation. Wow. I, I should I, hope somebody they, finds them. Because but I didn't think it was a very funny show. I thought there were... I can't tell you that it was or wasn't funny. That's your decision. No, I no, no. I thought there were parts of it that were absolutely hysterical. But as a variety show, it just didn't cut it. No, no. But the parts that he was in and had a comedic part in the show, he was hysterical. Yeah. It was really mm -hmm. funny. And Jack Webb is not the kind of person I would ever put the word comedy with. No. No, part of it's part of it's a stereotype he got out of programs like you know Dragnet, and even before that, where he was very monotonish and uh -huh. and, and, the, and the, didn't crack a smile in that sh in the shows. There was no humor to him at all. Nope. And Pat Novak and Jeff Reagan and Pete Kelly's Blues and all the other ones that he did were the same deadpan delivery. That uh, it wasn't the same, but it, it was a deadpan delivery in mm -hmm. different. Uh, manner and I, I love Pat Novak and, and Jeff Reagan, but just it's as incongruous to put Duke Ellington and the Nutcracker Suite as it is to put Jack Webb and comedy. And he did a great job on the comedy. It was the show that was the ball, <laughs> um, and, and that is in my humble opinion. And then, of course, Tales of Fatima. With I've only heard a couple of those shows with Basil Rathbone. Yeah. Yeah, I've only heard a few of those. I don't know how many exist. I don't think very many. Only two exist. Yeah. Well, what was the name of Stan Freeberg's first show? The one that he was the star of? That, that's Rich. That Rich. And I, I guess it was so bad, he never even mentioned it in autobiography. Oh, my. Uh, no, he mentioned that when he did interviews, like, uh, with, you know, at Spurred Back right, in the Dust. Right, We brought it up. But you're right. I don't think he mentioned it in his biography. <laughs> And there are only a couple of shows that are in nice sound. The rest of them were made with home recorders in the oh. 50s, and unfortunately the sound is pretty awful. <laughs> awful is a good word. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, awful shows are yours, and Duke Ellington is yours. Oh, What kind of music boy. do you do? What kind of music? Do you, do you like big band? Do you like um, classical? Is there a particular kind that, that really... Oh, I, I don't mind classical, but I like big bands more. You like big bands? Because I've come across some pretty decent big band stuff. Um, I've got some big band from World War II that looked to me like it was unusual. I'm not into big bands, so what's mm -hmm. unusual to me might not be unusual at all, but I'd be happy to send you what I've got from World War II. Okay. All right. Okay. If you insist on sending things out, Patricia, you know. We insist. Okay. All right. I can do that. Yeah, that that would be nice. Yeah. I know how to do that. Yeah. Yes, you do. Yes, I do. Are we having fun yet? Oh, scads. I'm just uh, figuring out what I'm going to do here next for the show. we got so many people who want to interview as well. Yeah, true. But put that together, so we're starting to work on that. Well, we'll see here. 
Uh, well, Kip, you, how in the world do you do the show? I think people be curious what's your routine. Sometimes badly. I know, but you can at least cover it up. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> Um, how do we do it? Yep. What, when do you guys actually record? When do you actually, you know, get it over to Jerry's site? Just, sort of just walk us through a daily, a weekly routine that you got to it's do. Fun. You, what we try and do is, is we, pick, we pick the shows. We pick the shows usually, you know, maybe a week or so before, but I have to get them out to Gary Lycan in the register, which is Orange County Register out here. Mm-hmm. Uh, has been plugging our show since we started again in 2010. And he needs it by Wednesday to get it to the paper so that it'll run on Sunday. So that's why this list that we've been putting together, I don't know if you're on that or not, Patricia, I can't remember. I'll have to look and see. Uh, we, I put a list together of, for him uh, and anybody else who was interested, a distribution list. Because uh, a lot of our listeners from the show locally when we were on years ago wanted to be kept in touch and so I've got I don't know how many people on that list and just people from radio people who are radio fans and every every Wednesday I send it to them so they have a, a listing of what we're playing I'm on following the Sunday I get it alright I'm not you're not on the list or you are I am on the list I'm on the list twice oh you are yeah I'll take you off once no 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 <laughs> nice you, don't, you. You, don't, you don't need two emails from me one's bad enough <laughs> You know, I, I get uncomfortable when somebody says, well, let me let me wipe one of these out. Keep the both of them, just in case. You you don't trust me, huh? No, I don't trust me. <laughs> <laughs> no, we can do that. Um, Dan okay. Dave uh, in Indiana just sent an email about a boxed lot of Joe Palooka radio shows. Really? Really? Now, let me see where we're going here. Okay. Her oh, it's a heritage auction. Oh, dear. Never mind. Heri I mean, heritage auctions, you're in the big time there. and they, they Big money. They yeah, oh, yeah. But it's it, at least you know there are approximately 200 oversized 16 shellac platter recordings of the 1930s Joe Palooka show comprised of... Oh, the 30 version. Okay. Um, 1930s, yeah. Wow. 96 of the 130 total episodes of the show, in, uh, starring America's favorite pugilist. This is great. Who was it? Um, episodes 1, 3, 5 through 10. There's quite a lot of them here. Um, and also including the Aldrich family. Both parts of... You, of both. you get a chance later on, will you send that email to me? I sure will. I'd like to look at it. I'm sure the record, the record. These are re these are records. These are 16-inch the, the platter recordings. Right. How about that? Just for the, uh, you know, I've heard legendary stories what some transcriptions go for. Like for example, I think we all know what the uh, falsely a copy of the Wars of the World transcription went for one time. Uh huh. Uh, but you know, any idea, or in your mind, what you think have been some of the more valuable transcriptions out there that generally people have paid big bucks that you heard about over the last, you know, 30, 40 years? Any ideas? Yeah. And, and then remind me, and I'll get back to our hmm. our show. Uh, yeah. Let's see. Uh, well, I, I mean, I know. I think the Superman's cost a lot of money. I know the I know the Shadow, the, the small syndicate that bought the Shadow, they paid five hundred dollars a disc. Yep. For stiffy disc, $25,000 they laid out. That's yep. that's ridiculous. I 
but they did it and they yeah. got a you know the, the the people who had it got the money and yeah. so you know and it got into circulation which is good i'm trying to think um oh man let me see um what I'm interested in, uh, I don't know if most people know, that there are roughly about 100 of the early Amos and Andy's uh, discs that have been bought up by a private collector that's never been out. This is from right. around 1930-31, and I have no idea what that might have gone for. You know, for Amos and Andy fans, that would be interesting to see. Yeah, I hear quite out. a bit, but I never heard a figure. Right. I don't know what these sold for. This was a this is a two year old or a year and a half old auction that is closed, and you have to be a member. Um, hmm. It says join free and quick to see the full image, but you're not going to. They won't give oh. me a price unless I I sign up and and pay a right. billion dollars. Right. Well, I don't know how much it went for. Anyway. Uh, so so we let people know about what the shows are going to be, and then usually. If we're both home on Wednesday evenings, we'll sit down and do tracks, meaning we'll we'll do all the talking that we need to do and put them in files. So do you, uh, you, do you guys time out the show that way you know how much time to to uh, to put, uh, do intros and outros for? No, well I can look at the shows and on the computer and it'll tell me what time, how how long it is. Okay. So are you saying that your shows are a compilation of the tracks that you lay down at different times? Usually on Wednesday and then and usually. Thursday or Friday, I'll go through and and I'll put everything together. Well, how cool is that? By, by Thursday, usually. And then Friday morning, um, either before work or maybe afterwards, I'll upload it. Yeah. You know, and uh, and it's done. I have a question for you. Yeah? What are your favorite top five shows? Oh, man, I wish you wouldn't ask me that. <laughs> well, this was Walton's question, and then I'm going have, to ask you about... That's a stupid question. Uh, I have a lot of favorites, and that's the problem. We talked about voices one night, did we not? Uh, Walton and uh, I... I've, I've heard yeah. voices. I, I've been accused of hearing voices, <laughs> but I don't think I ever talked about voices. These are not the, the hearing and talking voices, but... Oh, they're not. We, we were talking about old-time radio voices, and I put Elliot Lewis and John Daner at the top oh. of my list. Okay. Because I think, I mean, to my ears and their performances and flexibility in changing roles and doing such a fabulous job. I mean, Remley to Philip Carney and Voyage of the Scarlet Queen and to hear John Daner still in two westerns and go from Have Gun, Will Travel to Frontier Gentlemen. Mm -hmm. I, I just think they were, they were staggering. In the, uh, in the voice I would, department, who are your top two? Top two, uh, top one of the top two would be uh, definitely would be Elliot Lewis. It would be. It would be. Um, Virginia Gregg would be up there. Jeanette Nolan would be up there. Um, I, I don't think Lorene Tuttle would be. Not that she's not a wonderful actress, but uh, I'm, if you're talking about voices where they can do a variety of things, um, she wasn't one-dimensional, but she didn't have the flexibility to do the kinds of voices that say Virginia Gregg did. Yeah, I would not consider Lorene Tuttle a character actress. She was definitely, no, I wouldn't a, either. She was wouldn't definitely either. a leading lady, uh, you know, opposite the co-star actress, you know, somebody, that kind of structure. But in, in Mercedes of Cambridge, I wouldn't consider her a character actress either. Interesting. Yeah, okay, um, okay. I mean, she played a lot of characters, but Jeanette Nolan, I would. Uh-huh. Okay, Jeanette Nolan, 
can that know in Virginia Gray, I, there could be times when I don't know it's them right away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. I have a t- tough time sometimes figuring out Vic Perrin, some of, some of the, uh, the Gunsmoke cast, yeah. when they get in there. I haven't sat there and really to, to break them all down to figure out, okay, this one is this and this one is that. Yeah, and I knew Vic. Yeah, I know you did. Acting class from him at one time, so I got to know him pretty well. I trumped on you when I said John Daner and I kept talking and you were going to say something. And by the way, I appreciate so much the two interviews that you sent me with Elliot Lewis and John Daner. Oh. I know. Well, now I know why you wanted them because they're two of your favorites. They're my two favorite people or my two favorite voices. And, of course, Elliot Lewis was so multidimensional that he... I, I told Walden, I, uh, uh, these are the two people I would like to spend an afternoon with if I could. Well, Larry, Larry did. Larry, Larry knew both. Oh. And you had told me the other night on the phone, I had forgotten that, that uh, Neil Watts, who was a radio personality in L.A. for a while, yeah. And later on, left that job to go into voiceovers and made a mint. It was certainly the right decision for him. This is in the... Mm, Mid eighties, maybe, yeah. and so he's been doing it ever since. But he had—he used to love old radio, mm-hmm. uh, and so he frequently had people on his show. He had Vic Perrin, um, and he had John Daner, and and I guess we must have called in when he had John Daner. Yeah, I I didn't remember that, but Walden told me that. I don't have a tape of that one. Right. Okay. I have the okay. tape that he did with Vic Perrin, but not the one with John Daner. And then, of course, we called John Daner to be a part of our CBS Western panel. At Spurred back in 1982, one of the, maybe one of the neatest things we ever pulled off. Tell the audience, yeah. tell, tell uh, people how you, who was on that panel. John Daner, Vic Perrin, Harley Bear, Harry Bartell, Virginia Gregg, and Peggy Weber. And we wanted Barney Phillips. And Barney Phillips went into the hospital just a few days prior to the meeting, which was, I think, August of 82. And then died the following Monday oh. in the hospital. And we never got to him. We, we talked to his agent, but we, we never got to him. Mm. So, unfortunately, that does happen. You know, we're talking about people who were... Well, they were in their 70s then, most of them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but when you look back on it, that's still 20-some years ago, almost 30. Wow. Well, well, well to, to, you know, what I remember about John Dana on that panel... What the story he told at the Griffith Park. Well, I had forgotten about that. He also told some 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 stories about the Hermit's Cave. He said he was the Hermit. That's right. Uh, in L.A. And that also that show also appeared in was in Detroit. But I can't remember which came first, the Detroit version or the L.A. version. I, I believe came to see. Okay. Need to get some feedback here. We're getting sounds bouncing back. What what kind of what connection are you on, Larry? What what? What what kind of a connection are you on? We're trying to get some some really serious sound sounds. Oh, I'm I'm talking to you through Skype because Melinda's on the other phone. Okay, okay. We're, we're Is it any better now? No, no. Oh. <laughs> I should then I should hang up and let you go to somebody else that can talk to you. <laughs> Maybe that, because uh, it, it really is some, I just, I, with my headset and we're in it, it's just some some artifact sound that keeps bouncing back. Yeah, it happens on the internet from time to time. 
Well, you are so wonderful for calling in, and I will get some big band from World War II and some awful shows out of you. I can't wait for the awful shows. Thank oh, you I so much. Send them to you. Cool. I'll talk soon. Okay, thanks, Patricia. Thanks, Mary. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, 714-545-2071, the making technology. I, well, still, I mean, technology, indeed. But I was starting to hear some sounds, and I thought, well, you know, maybe it's it's just my receiving. And nope. I was hearing your echo and his echo and my echo, and when I put on my headset, that's what was, what was going out over the air. So. Yep, yep, you're right. You got Patricia has the sensitive ears. Oh, I've got baby ears. Yes, yes. Don't Very baby ears. When you call, just hey. don't shout. You know, you yeah. got to watch it for Patricia. Yeah, look it. Seven one four five four five two zero seven one. Give us a call. So tonight we have a theme. A theme. Kind of, yeah. What kind of Christmas gift? Now you you had a great story about a gift that your brother got. Uh huh. What kind of a gift did you get that was either so inappropriate it made you say what, or one you wanted to return, one you did return, one that was weird or. Even why you know what's interesting? People are are doing the re they call I think they call it re gifting. Yes. Where they get a present that they don't want, and they wrap it up and give it to somebody else. I had a uh, a great aunt named Mabel. Uh huh. Mabel quite a hoot. Mabel a uh, husband. Um. They own a hardware store and this is the early thirty and ran it ran and it, it went blank bankrupt and he was not really smart with business so Mabel took over and built the empire up and she was known <clears throat> to re-gift Christmas cards In the mail. You knew what, what you said with great, with great Aunt Mabel. Hello there, caller. You're on the air. Well, you got some real interesting calls tonight. I know. Hello. <laughs> I can Hi. tell that either both of you took a nap or one of you took a nap because you guys sound like you're on all cylinders. Well, I, I, didn't, I didn't wake up until 11.30, so that means Patricia's going to be staying up all night, which she does anyway. My gosh. But you guys sound really wide awake though tonight. What do you think, no. Patricia? Are you awake? No. No. I'm only... I know for... I'm pretending. Yeah. Because <laughs> I know for Patricia, it's about like already midnight, almost. I know. Well, you know, after she drank 13 cups of coffee in the next two hours, she'll be fine. <laughs> Maybe that's it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I, I tell you, um, let's see. Uh, old-time radio girls' voices. I think if, if 30 years from now I listen to an old radio show and I hear um, a familiar...
And she was 105, and my God. She was still doing concerts and things that people could go see. And I have a great, oh, I, and I know where it is. Um, Patricia has a copy of this. The Golden Age of Radio Interview, Dick Birdo and Ed Corcoran. I think it's episode number 12. They went over the Rosaria house, and she played the organ and piano and all the great radio theme music and shows live for them. Wow. For the whole hour. And so uh, it's one of my favorite of their shows. So if you're looking for something with Rosaria in great high-fidelity sound, that that is the show. How did you get it? Because uh, I ran the series, the webmaster sent me the whole CD, so I've been running on the, on the weekend over the years. I think I have that series. Do you I? Do. You do. You do. I do. You do. What series did I promise Ron? I'm going to have to open your envelope now. Hey, let's see. I, I'll tell you what. Let's see. You sent me. Let's see. Let's see. Uh, sent me. Port, um, port to call. Nowhere. No, 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 nowhere. No. Um, <laughs> That's just send me this. No, no. This, my other. It's short. It was only. On the West Coast. Uh, what was the name, Walden? Uh, it only played in the West Coast. Uh, uh, what, Organist? No, no. Detective show. Detect oh, uh, the West Coast. Oh, uh, Stand By for Crime. Yeah, stand By for Crime, yes. There you go. Your, that one's in your envelope. And, yeah, that's the one. And then you know, The Whisperer. Yeah, The Whisperer. And, 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 and one more. And now... Where are they now? Who are they now? Where are they now? Well, whatever it became of. Whatever it became it's of. It's a pretty fat envelope. Oh, Patricia. Yeah. I know. She's not going to be able to get it out of the apartment. It's too big. And I, and I'm sending you, Patricia, some goodies, too. Um, my, my you ever heard of the program Philco Wall of, Philco Hall of Fame shows? Philco Hall of Fame. I came across a Philco show. I can look. No, but no, but that's what I'm sending you. Oh, you're sending me? No, I don't have. You ever heard of that, Walden? Yep. I, it's, it, there were two different versions. There was like an all-star show where they took famous uh, events and of, of radio and broadcast them, or famous radio personality. And then Paul Whiteman also had the Phil Cole show starting in 40, 45. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, right. That's what I'm sending her. And also, a weird show. Uh, it might not be to your liking, but it should be quite interesting. Uh, you know, Babe Ruth had some shows sponsored by the Navy. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, and, and he, you know, he did a reasonably good job. Yeah. Um, you know, he even had a quiz show. Babe Ruth had a quiz show. I don't think we have any recordings of it, but he he had a quiz show for kids. Someone said Patricia, some of the Babe Ruth um, Navy shows. Yeah, you... pretty good stories on it, yeah. Uh, I, I, I don't know if they're true stories, though. I don't think so, right? You know, I don't think there are true stories, right? It's hard to well, I don't think so. These things. Joe DiMaggio had a show. Yeah, he had a show. Joe, I haven't heard it yet. And then Johnny Lujak, the quarterback for Notre Dame, had a show. Mm -hmm. I think Casey Stengel had a show. I would not be surprised. Who had a show? Casey. Let me see what I've got here. Well, Johnny Lujak had a good show. Yep. The show was pretty good. Rice. I've got Grandland Rice. Ooh. Oh, yeah, you're right. sports writer, yeah. I eat that all the time. <laughs> 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 it's a good start. What <laughs> I got in the sports department here. Cause I oh, I'm talking about um, familiar voices. Um, you know who, whose voice you'll always recognize? Um, Bill Conrad. 
Yes. Oh, he is so recognizable, even when he tried not to be. Yes. Uh, Bill Conrad and, oh, you guys mentioned his name too. Um, the one that always played uh, on Jack Benny's show. Um, oh, Lewis? You know, uh, and he played... Um, Frank, I can, you can always recognize Frank Lovejoy. Frank Lovejoy. No, no, not Frank Lovejoy. Um, Another one. Nelson, Nelson. Frank Nelson. Frank Nelson? No, yeah. Ron, he, when he was in his comedic role, you would recognize his voice, but when he was in a serious role, you'd never know it was him. He was a detective. Um, the, you know when, um, uh, what's his name, on his show uh, that um, Jack Webb played... Uh, Back for Hire? Yeah, no, that other one. Uh, Jeff Reagan. Yeah, there you go. Hi. Uh-huh. Yeah, he... he in the in the sports department, we've got Leo DeRocher had a show. Leo, that's right. Leo DeRocher. Izzy Dean. Oh, my sure. Okay. Don Drysdale. I did not know Don had one. Okay. The Adventures of Babe Ruth. Yep. Bill Stern, of course. Bill Stern. And I don't know, Tops in Sports. I don't know what that show is, but I've got it. Hmm. Why would I have it and not know what it is? You haven't listened to it yet. I guess. I mean, this is really on the top of my list to listen to sports shows, you know. Oh, I know. <laughs> which which Babe Ruth do you have? Um, it says The Adventures of Babe Ruth, but I don't have very many, Ron. Well, I'll send you what I got. I, 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 I got to check what my title is, yeah. It is very you should, cool. Yeah, I'll actually put it in the middle of something next week. But, but um, yeah, uh, what else? Well, I guess that's it. I have... Um, about well, returning gifts or, or sending a gift that somebody gave to somebody else, I've never oh, yeah. done that before. You did what? You know, somebody gives you a gift and you wrap mm -hmm. it up and send it to somebody else. Yes, what happened? <laughs> I never did that. You never did that. You know what has happened to some people? Is that they give it to another person who doesn't like it, who gives it to another person, and it comes full circle. Yeah, but so I remember Finn McGee and Molly and Doc Gamble did that to each other one time. They kept passing the same gift yeah. forth because neither one of them knew what it was. So what is etiquette? Now, you know, occasionally we've all gotten gifts uh -huh. that's really, we don't really see us keeping. Uh -huh. What if the uh, correct, the correct way to handle a gift when do you actually put throw away in the trash? Oh, goodness. Never. Never. Okay. Never. I might not ever use it, but I would find a home for it, even if it went to Goodwill. Okay. Was it Jack Benny? He said, uh, what did you want to make sure that you have on the TV? Make sure you have a price tag or something. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He wanted to change the price tag for Don Wilson. You know, put another dollar on there. <laughs> anyway, um... Well, who was the last caller that you talked to? That was Larry Gassman. Larry and John Gassman, you know, the famous twins. Ah. Larry's older by three minutes. Now, he has a, they both have a show yep. on... Um, they have, it's on Yesterday USA, Saturday at noon, West Coast time. And then they're on Jerry Hendricks' site. And then they are on radio stations throughout the country, like in New Mexico. And... and their, their show was in L.A. for 12 or 20 years. Uh -huh. They were uh, they were the go-to guys in L.A. radio that played old-time radio who, who used to be guests on Ray Bream's show and Lance Spurvak and uh, 
Yeah. And they've, they've got great interviews. Same time, same station. Yes. Oh. They, they're interviewing, they interview one of your favorite favorite females today, Beverly Washburn. So they're going to get that ready for this week, probably. Well, well, well. I'm glad there's somebody else in. <laughs> besides you who steals all that stuff there, right? And by the way, we, that's, I don't even recognize her voice as Janet Waldo when she was younger, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you, you know, when, when Janet's not doing a, co- a comedy bit, uh, you, uh, it, you can, it's a very soft, blending voice when she's so not. modulated, uh-huh. yeah. Well, you know, she, she wound up in character roles. Yes. And her voice went along with them, so she's very recognizable. I don't think I've ever heard her outside that, uh, you know, because when she does interviews, it's typically because people remember Corliss Archer and A Date with Judy. Right. And they remember her from the Jetsons on television. Mm -hmm. So her voice tends to stay in that category. Right. And I've never heard her I'll, I'll call it her real voice. I've never heard her real voice. Her real voice that when we interview is pretty much the same she did privately. But when you hear her in dramatic shows like Screen Director Playhouse, uh-huh. uh, it, 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 it is a, a very young entrepreneur but doesn't have the, uh, the trace, the comedy, the comedic trace. So what before we... Before I hang up, you know what show I read? I, I, when I was younger, I enjoyed it. But I don't enjoy listening to it now, and that much, and that's a shadow. Um, I don't know, there's something about the shadow, I, I just, I, I just don't get turned on. I don't, I didn't like the Orson Welles shadow. Oh, I um, didn't either. I didn't like that at all. I, 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 thought, I like... I thought, it was, I thought the storyline was very dark, too, to be honest with you, uh, during yeah. the Orson Welles period. Yeah. Uh, then who who, took, who went after Orson Welles? Um, Bill Johnston. Now he wasn't too bad, but then the last one was. Brett Morrison. Yeah. He was. I I guess because I grew up with Brett Morrison, I was you know in my prime young years, and uh, I like his shadows the best. Well, I didn't but, grow up with any of them, Ron, and I think Brett Morrison is the best. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I don't really care for the shadow, and yet. I know that there are so many people. I mean, how many? Ep- I mean, they wrote books on the shadow yep. and everything else. I mean, so many people love the shadow. I just, I just could never get turned on. By I, it. I think Martin feels if the history, the the liking and the law of it is almost bigger than the show itself. Yeah. Because it is camp. You know, it's it's one of those things where people remember Fibber McGee's closet, whether they like the show or not, mm-hmm. and they remember the the um, weeds of crime bear bitter fruit. Uh, the shadow knows. They remember that, and they remember Hio Silver. They remember those taglines that belong to those shows, and that made them famous and memorable. Probably. Whether they right. like. Now, I, I got to admit, when I was, I did like Inner Sanctum Mystery. Uh-huh. I, I, maybe not, let's see, Raymond, the other one after Raymond. Raymond Edward Johnson originally did it. Yeah. Uh, then Paul McGrath took over. Yeah. But, uh, no, but the, the, those were the concept. He, Hyman Brown sold that show because of the, the concept of the host and the squeaking door, it, the stories are not memorable. You know, 
I saw the, I saw a few of the same way about Lights Out. I think Lights Out, I think, um, it has a great reputation of being a show, but you sit down and listen to a lot of them, I don't know if they necessarily hold up. Yeah, but that's another one with Lights Out. out. People remember that. The certain lights out. Certain lights out shows were very good. Mm-hmm. Very scary too. Well, uh, you know, I don't know if you ever heard. I don't know if I ever played the interview part where Arch Holber talked about his very first lights out script. Oh gosh. And it's, it's a heartbreaker uh, because he decided to write a script about a, a funeral where they're burying a 16-year-old girl, and the family's there and her boyfriend's there. And she's in a certain type of coma, I guess, or Patricia can explain it medically to us, that she was not dead. And she had been buried alive. Oh, my God. And uh, it got 30,000 letters that week. And, you know, you just think in radio and TV days, you got one or two that shaped the advertisers. But what got October very broken up, he got a letter from a mom who buried that week her 16-year-old daughter. And said, I hope you will always remember this. And he did. He never forgot that he could still quote the letter line by line. And, and he told that to his brother And he said, think of the impact to me as a writer realizing what I put down on paper will affect people. Mm-hmm. And so from that point in, he was trying to be very careful about situations like that. Yeah, he was aware. Quiet, Please was a really weird show, and mm-hmm. I'm not into the, the weird stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I need yes. to. And that was Willis Cooper, who created Lights Out, eventually wrote that series, yeah. The thing of the formal board has been played <laughs> over and over and over and over, oh my God. The only time Patricia's ever written in the OTR Digest, it was regarding that show. What? Right. The was, for- the, was the thing on the formal board. Patricia wrote a piece about it, her, her analysis of, of the show. I mean, I don't like to eat pork chops. No, no. I just said. You like the that's, pineapple picador? No, that's what he eat, pop cho- uh, pork chops on the thing on the formal board. Um, <laughs> that's right. That's right. You remember. Well, pork chop. Or whatever. Oh, that's right. Frying pork chops. Uh, and uh, Lights Out had one where... Or was it one? I thought maybe it was like that where the body turned inside out. Yeah. There was some weird, there were some real creepy shows, you know. I'm, I'm not into creepy stuff, but the thing on the affordable board, boy, that's a gripper. <laughs> well, it's sort of like, I, I think Three Skills and Key is that way. That one is a fabulous show. You know, you should think about it. That was a great escape and suspense show. Ooh, the images of having the rat come and climb through the lights out. You can hear them squeaking and chewing on the floor. Yeah. And I know. That was weird. That was kind of, yeah. And for, you, know, you know, when I used to go down to Boy Scout camp and had kids who had never heard old-time radio, and they're 10 and 12, and 10 o'clock at night, you know, driving on a winding dirt road for an hour, you pop that in and you got everybody's attention in a minute. With no lights in the dark. Uh huh. You probably got land. If you play Landon versus Ants, you probably could get the same. I think the same way, the same thing would have happened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I I do agree. You know, it's interesting. People talk about Vincent Price's version as opposed to William Conrad's version. Mm-hmm. I love Vincent Price, and I can live without William Conrad. And I think William Conrad's version is the better of the two. Wow, that's high remark. High praise. 
that is. Because William Conrad is just, he's, he's not even in the middle of my voice list when it comes to radio and television and movies. And, I mean, he just isn't on my good list. I, I say not on my good list. I mean, I, I just don't appreciate him as other people do. But in, in the three-skeleton key, I think he did the superior version. Well, anyway, I'm going to cut you guys loose. Uh, so put yourself chicken milk. The Pony Express should be coming by either the end of the week or at least by Monday of next week. And, uh, so I'll be... How's the water in Hawaii? Is it, is it? Can everybody move there? Is it nice and cool? You know, we've been having a lot of trade winds. It's really nice. And I'm glad you mentioned that because I think I'm going to send a Patricia to make her homesick for Hawaii. Another bunch of Hawaii calls. Ah. And then you can hear the waves of Waikiki. Are you going to send a, 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 a Haluda? Beverly Edwards. And yeah, yeah. You're going to send her a grass skirt, too? That way she can get no, the mood? No, no, We don't have it anymore. Some hippies moved to Hawaii and... and <laughs> you know, the grass. Hook it all up. And so... We don't have any grass. Well, do, they, do, they still hang, do they still hang flowers about around people's necks at the airport? Oh, yeah. That's still be done. You're going to send me... On a tour, you definitely you will receive a flower late from the, the tour guides, you know. Yeah, who, who pays for all those flowers? Isn't that the, that's the Chamber of yeah, Commerce? Yeah, the White Business Bureau and all that kind of stuff. They might get a good deal on flowers if they're, if they're always giving somebody to somebody. To somebody. My friend, I, I have a friend. He was a coach of the University of Houston. His name was Guy Lewis. Oh, I remember Guy Lewis, the famous basketball coach. Oh, yeah, he was. He had the five Demo Slabites. Yeah. was... Coach of Alvin Hayes and the team of Ijuan and Ijuan yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, he he's growing a plumeria tree in his yard, and uh, so I just sent him a host um, a, a thing of a root or whatever to to his house, and he's gonna add some more plumeria trees to his home and stuff. So yeah. All right. Yeah. So we'll talk to you guys later and. Patricia, it's always nice to hear your your 79-year-old voices. <laughs> we have to stop doing that. People are believing us. <laughs> well, well, put your picture on the Internet or something. <laughs> or you don't want to. I'm only 78, and you know it. I'm sorry. You're right. By the way, I, I did enjoy you guys the month of July. It was very good. Very, very refreshing. And, uh, so... Keep it up, and 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 Christmas Eve, uh, I I promise you we'll have a good show because it's going to be Saturday night, uh, and we'll make sure we have some fun things happen. Cool, you can help. Of course, of course. Oh, Ron, that would be so terrific. Thank you. Yay! Right. Talk to you guys later. Okay. You bet. Aloha. Aloha. You know, getting close to the 70th anniversary later to mention the Great Ghost, we should probably call Shirley Mitchell and get her on. Oh, that would be great. Yeah, we should probably be doing that pretty soon. 714-545-2071 our number. Give us a call. We're up and about. Waiting for you to call. And stuff like that there. Where's the phone? There it is. The family hasn't abandoned us. That's good. Hello there. You're on the air. Hello, Walden. Hello, Patricia. Jim, how are you? Jim. Hi. Hope you're all having a nice Saturday night. 
Thank you. I have a fan on at a great whopping 70 degrees down here, so I'm doing good. Well, that's good, and I hope it's not too hot for Patricia in Florida. It's always hot in Florida. No, I'm fine. Well, that's good. Well, we wanted, we were, my friend, one of my friends and I were talking the other day on the phone, and I was telling him about your MP3 that you put together of the worst radio shows. Huh? And I'm going to send him it, and he's going to borrow it and make a copy. But we got to talking about some of the shows on the list, and he wanted me to ask you, I said, you were real. You went, you did a lot of uh, research on putting this together and putting shows together. He wanted to ask your opinion, since you know about bad radio shows, about two that he did not care for. And, you know, and I realize this is strictly subjective. All subjective, you're right. What are oh, the one, first one I'm going to ask you about that Ron was not a fan of, Honest Harold. I have to tell you, I'm, I'm not a fan of Honest Harold, but I wouldn't put it in an awful show category. I, I think it was a pretty good shot at trying to copycat the great Gildersleeve. Um, he gave it his best shot, and it didn't work. Right, and of course, with him leaving Gildersleeve and moving to CBS, CBS needed a vehicle for him. Exactly. It makes you wonder what they should have done. What should they have done with Hal Perry? I think they should have given him an entirely different format. That's what I'm just thinking. What would it, what would have worked? I don't know because he had a lot of the Gildersleeve characteristics—the laugh and some of the things. Admittedly, mm -hmm, he didn't have Leroy or Judge Hooker or any of the supporting players that made the great Gildersleeve go. But I'm just thinking out loud. Okay, you know, he, he if you don't, I mean, if you left the Gildersleeve. And if Patricia, he probably should have had a whole new vehicle. What it should have been? It had been, it had been. As, it should I, not have been the voice uh, of Gildersleeve. He should have reverted back to a normal voice. He should have abandoned the laugh, um, and and a comedy role. Gosh, I I just really don't know. A family situation didn't fit Hal Perry. Well, it only, of course, and I, I guess it's obvious from its history because it only lasted one season. Yeah. I mean. Here, CBS spent the money on him, and you know they they, they thought they could take the girls we show, or they just wound up with Hal. Yeah, makes you wonder what they could have done. You know, he was the Planet Man of of comedy. You know, Planet Man was a poor imitation of Flash Gordon, mm -hmm. and I think Harold Perry, Honest Harold, turned out to be a poor imitation. It, it just tried to borrow too much from an established show. Well, if you think about it, that that show, Gildersleeve, is one of those shows, I think the writing was important because, and also you had a great character actress. If you think about it, they changed out Marjorie several times, they changed out the lead several times, it still was successful. That means probably it was, they were fortunate to always have Walter Tetley play Leroy. I don't know if they ever had anybody yeah, he was the glue. He was the glue. Yeah. Was really and then, uh, Judge Hooker was pretty much the same, right? Oh, the whole Ron? Oh, Ross, yeah. yeah. And Peavy. If, was, did someone, didn't they change Peavy at the end? Or he, did, did uh, the Graham play him the whole? I think he did, but eventually he bowed out. He couldn't do it. Uh, he used to come to his house to record it. Actually, there were two different Floyd the Barber. Do you guys know who the first one was? I know one, was, one of them was Arthur Q. Bryan. Right, but who, who, who did Arthur Q. replace? I don't know. Do not know. Mill Blank. Really? Yes. And of course, Ken Christie was the chief. Right. And, but, uh, but you the, think, I think the ghost we show of the character actors, it had one of the finest cast 
available. And I think the cast and the writing kept that thing afloat. So all the changes that went through the different personnel, it still survived. I still find it uncanny to me how similar Willard, how Perry and Willard Waterman sounded in the role. Mm-hmm. I agree. When I first started listening to old-time radio, I was astounded after having listened to The Great Gildersleeve in so many different different times, you know, the, the, the shows that were recorded at different times, I had no idea that there, was, that there were two different people playing that character. They were seamless. So I, I don't think you can count the changeover from Hal Perry to Willard Waterman as a show surviving that change because they simply, the character stayed the same. It was just voiced by a different person. Um, with Marjorie, I think it was different. Yeah. They were clearly different people. But with Hal and Willard Waterman, I it, there just was so little difference in the two of them that it was barely perceptible that they even changed actors. Well, that, so so that's your opinion on Honest Herald. It, was, it wouldn't make your worst list, but it wasn't one of your favorites. Certainly wouldn't be in the middle either. Okay. Okay, the other one he, he thought, and he's pretty sure, at least, and he ranks it as one of the worst sitcoms, but was, a lot of people might like the show. And he was not also, he was not a fan of Meet Millie. I have to tell you, I never listened to the show. I listened to a part of it. It's one that um, Ron in Hawaii wanted, and I acquired some uh, for him, but I never listened to it. Have you ever heard it? A couple of times. It was, you know, it was, it was a Maisie type of character. You know, she was, you know, the, the secretary trying to get the boss's daughter was basically the show. Two actresses played her. Audrey Totter played her. And then uh, the, then later the actress who played her on television, Elena Marugo, also played her on radio. Well, I, I just cannot sit through a Maisie. Yeah. So, if that's any indication of what would happen with Meet Millie, I don't know. I, th- I think is it because of the voice, the Anne Southern voice? Southern, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she's got a very hard voice for me to listen to. Um, well, yeah. Well, you know, I, I there's one collector that uh, the one collector I know uh, who's, who hosts a radio show elsewhere. He was not a fan of Fred Allen, and a part of it had to do with he, he was not a fan of Fred Allen's voice. And I realize Fred's talent, but I guess I guess the voice affects people in different ways. I think Fred got robbed on that show. His his strong suit was extemporaneous, ad libbing, just off the cuff stuff. He was superb and he had a great delivery, a wonderful voice to listen to. But the scripted show I think did not do him justice at all. Like like the Allen's Alley bits and all of that? Everything was scripted, and it was, um, I don't know, the, the delivery was predictable. Yeah. But when he was cut loose on his own, he was fabulous. Did you ever come across him on any of the information, please, show? Well, yeah, I think I've always played a couple of those. Am I, I think I'm, I'm sending you the set of information, right. please. That's, the envelope is in my get to the post office, which I couldn't do today, and I had every good intention of doing. But there are several with Fred Allen as a guest in there, and they are such great shows. He makes some great shows and shows off what he could do when he was just let loose by himself. Yeah. I, I think Fred Allen and Bob Holt 
a lot of people of today don't put this on their top radio list because they don't get the humor. It's topical. Uh-huh. And it, it, like, like he's dealing, Bob Hope is dealing with news events. Right. Or things, political things that were going on at the time. And a lot of people who may not read history or follow those events, it probably just doesn't get to them. Yeah. And I think Fred Allen's the same way. Fred Allen had a lot of topical, you're right. Mm -hmm. His delivery was flat, though. When, uh, it, it was... It was like he was reading his lines, which, of course, is what he was doing. Well, you know, and when you think, well, he had some good writers, you know, who wrote for him, and among them, one of his writers, you know, was Herman Woke. In the 30s. What? That's top-notch. Yeah. Well, and Fred, Fred did most of his writing, too, in the early days. Um, and also, that's probably why he, probably the stress, he didn't, you know, he stopped radio for about 18 months. Yeah, he, he was ill, wasn't he? He had a heart condition. Like in 43 and right. 54? And I imagine, as you, as you look at the title of his book, it's sort of a sad book, The Treadmill to Oblivion, that basically thought, Harry worked in radio for 17 years, and what's the end result? It's basically for a comedian, for a com com it's just getting material out for the week, and then it's gone. Well, I think his, his downfall on radio was sad, because when you think, I've got it on with the sound off in the background, and the acting is superb. You can enjoy not even hearing what I'm looking at. The acting was so good. But, yes, I just read that that was the first filmed television sitcom in front of a live audience. Mm -hmm. with the filming instead of the kinescope. Right. And it was the, the first filmed comedy in front of a live audience. And it... From, from my ears, the live audience makes all the difference in the world. You can hear the difference. Tonight, in one of the, um, the Fibber McGee and Molly show that I picked for tonight, is one that was broadcast for the armed forces. So it's got some interesting little things that are attached to it. But Ransom Sherman is one of the actors in this, and I love Ransom Sherman when he does Sigmund Wellington. And he did one of his characteristic Sigmund Wellington words that hit some man in the audience right between the eyes, and he laughed a laugh that he should have been paid for. Uh, well, I still enjoy those Fibber McGee's where you hear Molly actually laughing when the audience is. Exactly, and it's when there's usually when there's a flub, and she she gets just so worked up about it. But there's such a difference in the sound that comes from a live audience. And this guy is a perfect punctuation point for it. I just, I laughed at him more than I laughed at Ransom Sherman, and I love Ransom Sherman. Yeah, and getting to some of the other things you were talking about, you were talking about the shadow. I, I guess, you know, as a kid, you're impressed with it because it was a creative show, and, and, you, and you remember the opening, and you remember the closing, but... Listening to them now as an adult, I mean, and again, I, this may be stepping on holy ground, but listening to them, and, and as far as OTR is concerned, but as far as the stories themselves, they really weren't that spectacular. They have no substance. If you think about it, for Radio Spirits, it's one of the top two money makers. The Shadow and Jack Benny, the one-two punch. 
I swear it's because of the tagline in the front, the shadow knows. You know, there's something very spooky about Santa Claus knowing everything that you do. Yeah, and, and you know, and, and, and listeners always enjoyed, and I have to admit, I did as a child and teenager too, when the criminal at the end would be caught by the shadow. Uh-huh. I can't see you. I can't see you. Yes. Where are you? you know, the, and the criminal's desperate uh, fright when he knows he's apprehended, uh-huh. when he knows he's off to the death house. Yeah. And, of course, the shadow laughing as, as the... But I have to agree with you, too, that the Orson Welles shows were very dark. He was good, but I think that the stories were, were dark compared to, say, the ones that Bill... Bill Johnstone was my personal favorite shadow. Uh-huh. He would be my number two. Right. I like of course, when I think of Bill Johnstone, I think of the other series he did, The Lineup, which was a great police series. Huh? Hard on the heels of Dragnet, and people often made comparisons between the two shows. Bill Johnston was a good, good character actor. You know, he moved to Hollywood and did a ton of lux and suspense. And he did a, sca- and he did a supporting role on Escape yeah. and suspenses. And, and, his bro- and his brother had a good career, too. Yeah. Oh, his brother? Mm-hmm. Who was who? Jack. Jack. Oh. The, 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 writer, director, the, the writer director of... Who did Dark- Johnny Dollar? Yes, uh-huh. Jack Johnstone yes. was Bill Johnstone's brother? Yes. Interesting. Yes. And Johnstone, the writer, he certainly, he's the one that reinvented Johnny Dollar with those 15-minute shows and all of that. Absolutely. He, he got his start in the early days of Buck Rogers. That was the show that put him on the map. And he did Superman, I yeah. think. And Correct. Of course, he did The Six Shooter. Correct. He produced it mm-hmm. anyway. Yep. Yeah, and you know, it was, and as far as William Conrad goes... I, he's one of my favorites, at least in some of the roles. He certainly, he certainly, to me, defined Matt Dillon. I always thought he was the best Matt Dillon compared to the television version. And some of his supporting roles were good. Although I have a friend who liked the Tudor Owen escape version of Leningen versus the Ants more than the William Conrad version. Hmm. And Tudor Owen, you know, was a British actor. Uh-huh. And if you hear the Tudor Owen version of Line Engine versus the Ants, I guess there is a difference in, in the way the role was, was, was portrayed. Yeah. I know you said you were not a fan of the Tom Conway Sherlock Holmes shows, right? Oh, right. Oh, right. What did I do wrong? <laughs> did you like the, uh, the ones with, uh, the ones that Mutual did with, uh, let's see, who was his name? Alfred Shirley played, uh, Oh, yeah. Watson and Stanley play. Someone named Stanley played Sherlock Holmes. And Stanley. The ones for Cripper, the ones for Cripper Craft Crows. I know, and they, and they would get it mixed up every once in a while. It would come out Cripper Craft, um, Clipper Craft Crows. Yeah. It was John Stanley and um, Shirley. Oh, Shirley. Uh, what was his first name? Well, Alfred. 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 Alfred Shirley. Alfred Shirley. Yes, I thought they were great. I loved those two. You know, right in the seventy, I grew up. Because uh, if you remember, Jim, in the early days, we only had one r- rap on a Bruce show. Right, the one about the Bruce Parker. Right, that was the only one for many years until the late 80s, until Aldi showed up. Right. And what I grew up with was Sir John Goodgood and Sir Ralph Richardson, the uh the They BBC. were pretty good. They I, were. I, and I, I, because the first exposure I had, uh, I have a soft spot to that. I do agree with you. It's, it's disappointing that every OTR compilation that you get, I mean, I'm not, I don't mean yours, Patricia, but I mean like commercial OTR compilations, 
it seems like everyone includes the thing on the Fulber board. I'm not saying that it was a bad script, but if you're going to promote Quiet, Please, you'd think you would promote, they could find, what, of course, for years, that was the only episode available, I think, when it first really? came out. I know that. I did not know that. No, there, there are many others that are far superior to the Forbel board, but there are so many sub-stories going on in the Forbel board that it's a, a creative, a, a good piece of creative work. Mm-hmm. Well, it was good, don't get me wrong, but it just seems to be in every compilation. And I think it was Don Atkins I discovered and went back to uh, um, the widow, a house to help pick him up. Uh, Ernest Chappell's widow had the collection. Ernest Chappell so fond of the series. But a lot of the, the recordings weren't always the best. That's part of the reason why we don't have them in great sound. Well, and, I, and again, I think we maybe mentioned this before, a year, months ago, uh, there's a couple of shows that I always thought, another series, which one can debate, where the opening is far better remembered than the stories, was Grand Central Station. Grand Central Station. I mean, that opening is so memorable. And that's another Hyman Brown production. So you think, Hyman Brown had always good openings, if you think about it, from Inner Sanctum to Grand Central Station, to the CBS Mystery Theater, he, he... he spent a lot of time making sure that he was happy with the opening. There's no doubt about that. I remember one of your, your, your the talk show hosts we, that many of us used to listen to in L.A. occasionally, Ira Fistel, pointed out one night, though, that one historical uh, myth, and that was about Grand Central Station, steam trains never ran through Grand Central Station. <laughs> we talked about that one yeah. night. Yeah. It was diesel trains. Mm-hmm. But of course, you couldn't very do you couldn't do good sound effects with a diesel train. Right. I went back and I I tried to find some information about that, and this is from memory. I'll have to go back and look at it again. But I re, I believe what I read was that for a couple of um, trips for a couple of trips through Grand Central Station. In the very, very beginning, they actually did have a couple of steam engines come through. Hmm. Well, I just didn't, but I that's what I heard from Ira anyway. I, I, I don't know if that's true or not true, but... Jim, you know everything on the internet is true. <laughs> oh, yes, yes, yes. But, they, but the stories, although I will admit the Christmas story was a great one. We all agree there, I think, don't you? Tell me about the Christmas story. The Christmas story on Grand Central Station. Tell me about it. was a good one. I mean, I don't remember it. Oh, that's the one about the ambulance driver. Oh. uh, And he meets Mr. Mason. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And then, yes. And Mr. Mason's wife, yes. Yes. That that was a good story, I thought. You know, a lot of people pick that one as a really top-notch must-play at Christmas time. And I didn't like it. Okay. And I, I can tell you because I thought it was so hokey and it just dragged on and on and on and you knew what was coming and you knew what had happened and it just didn't hold my interest. Let me ask you, does it help in, in your evaluation of programs? Does being a writer help a lot in evaluating whether a story is good or not? Because, you know, you, you probably read a lot of things in order to write about things. You read a lot and you listen a lot. Does, does being a writer help a lot in determining whether you think a story is good or not? No, it hurts a lot. It hurts a lot. It hurts a lot because I, um, I'm hypersensitive to word usage and I'm hypersensitive to um, correct grammar, you know, and it, I, 
it can actually wreck a good story for me. And is a lot of times listening to radio drama difficult in the sense of, gra of the grammar used sometimes by characters? Um, not, no, no, oh, no, because the the grammar in radio is far, far superior to what I get on television. Mm -hmm. So, so uh, for radio, Patricia, mm -hmm. what show has, what is it that drives you nuts? That drives me nuts? Uh-huh, that you would... That you, that you would just turn off. Oh, gosh, I wish you had asked me about great. <laughs> Bad. Let me see. I'll have you two, you two go ahead and talk, and I'll, I'll have to think about that for okay. a second. Uh, well, okay, Jim, let me ask you. Also, the, the other challenge, like when you, when you hear an adaptation of a book you know, huh? let's say on a show like the NBC University Theater or... Studio One, or some of the, or the Mercury Theater, even, or some of those shows that truly took great literature and tried to adapt them. Have you generally been happy with the radio adaptations of these stories? Generally, yes, because I'm mindful of the restrictions. I mean, I heard, I heard Moby Dick in 30 minutes. Hello. Yeah, that's kind of hard to do. It's, I know, but they did a good job. Mm hmm. Really super high points, and captured the essence of the book or of the novel and they did a great job in 30 minutes how i mean they did a good job if that's all they had to work with they did a fabulous job well i know for movie buffs the real challenge for movie buffs is those that hear they've seen the original movies and they see the lux radio theater and screen guild and screen directors versions of movies it, it is a very unenviable task to adapt a movie into an hour or especially a 30-minute format. Oh, I have no trouble making that kind of a transition. I guess um, my brain tells me it's a different medium and therefore you have to listen to it differently. And also because I haven't seen a lot of the original movies first. I've heard the radio stuff first. I, don't, I think a lot of the stories are very good. Maybe because I didn't see the movie mm. before it's over. Occasionally mm. I, I listened to the radio and I saw the movie later. Mm -hmm. So... Well, in today's movies, you'd have a big problem if there were a Lux Radio Theater today or something like that. What well, I don't know. I, I don't know. Godfather 3 would have worked because the last 45 minutes, they don't talk. So it would have right. been perfect in radio. <laughs> well, I mean, like, the thing I mean is with today's <laughs> movies, one of the problems is so many of them are geared on special effects rather than story. Right. Exactly. I'm one, I just mentioned, I don't know if you were still with us or you were with us when I mentioned that. I'm looking at the I Love Lucy series with the sound off. Right. The acting is superb. You can tell what's happening <coughs> without the special effects. When you add the dialogue, of course you know what's going on. But if I turned off the sound, which I have done, I turned off the sound in movies or even week-to-week -week series shows. It's all special effects. You have no idea what's going on. Well, I'm totally, you know, a lot of today's movies, you know, like if they're, to me, a courtroom drama or something like that is easy to follow because that, that is a lot of dialogue. Hmm? Uh, I think, they'll, I'm, I haven't seen it yet. I'm sure in time I'm going to see the uh, DVD of Good Night and Good Luck, the one about Murrow, mm -hmm. which I've been told was a great movie. I did not see it. I'm not a movie person, so I'm guilty in that. Yeah. Um... That was the one about when Murrow fought McCarthy. It was a movie about that. George Clooney was in it as Fred Friendly a few years ago. 
heard that it was very, very good. But, um, of course, that whole era interests me. Like, I really liked the movie Quiz Show that came out a number of years ago, dealing with the Quiz Show scandals. Hmm. You would probably like that one. I think I would like that one. Yeah, it delves, it delves with, like, the fixing of 21. Uh-huh. Scandals are good. Yeah. Well, you know, when you think, I still am amazed they got away with that as long as they did. When you think about it, and, and you know, at the time, a lot of people, you know, truly believed these people were intellectual giants that could answer these questions. Yeah. Well, I had a friend who was a producer of many game shows in the 1950s, and I hate to break any bubbles, but he said basically the sponsors told the producers every Tuesday who they wanted to win. Mm-hmm. And uh, my friend was calling my New York grand jury at the time. And they asked him, the prosecutor asked him how many people he helped. And he didn't say anything, and the judge said, uh, Sir, I will put you in contempt of court. You don't answer the, the response. And my friend spoke up and said, Well, I'm just calculating how many shows I produced, how many people on it there. And I think I helped. We helped about 9,000 people. We only helped, we did not help three because they didn't need our help. And that's generally how a lot of those TV game shows were run in the 50s. They yeah. basically helped people get ready for the show. Mm-hmm. And they picked the ones who would be most appealing. Right. Well, the, the best TV presence, I suppose. And also, basically, the show made product. For example, the $64 question, he was talking, it made Red Line. Right. They just made it. Mm-hmm. And the 21 made Geritol. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I'm told that on one of them, the only reason it was exposed, one of the daytime quiz shows called Dotto, apparently the answers fell out of somebody's pocket on the floor of the studio and somebody saw the paper. Well, that's interesting. Uh, and I, at least that's a story I heard. I don't know if that's an urban legend or... What famous radio, later radio psychiatrist made her, made her uh, money? Joyce Brooks. That's right. She made she made quite a career of. Um, she was a boxing expert, right? Joyce Brothers yeah. was anyway. That's what she did. Yep, she was. She's quite a lady. She's doing advertising now for, I think, one of the emergency call systems. Yeah. For older people. Mm-hmm. Designs for for disabled and older people. And, and getting back to lights out, we were talking about lights out earlier. Um, I think the memory of it, like, I think one reason the show is probably remembered, certainly the opening, I think Bill Cosby's routine about hearing it as a boy and that chicken heart thing kind of helped enhance that show's reputation with a lot of people. Well, that's an interesting thought. Because no actual, I mean, I know there's a partial recreation on one of our Trobler's albums, but I don't think an actual complete 30-minute story has been found of that yet, to my knowledge. But it certainly, but Bill Cosby certainly remembered it. Yeah. And you get you get things like that. My mother, by the way, she, when she was a teenager in the 30s, she listened to the witch's tale. And she said she and her cousin used to live, sit in their bedroom at night with the lights out and listening to the witch's tale. And it was, and she said the shivers just ran up her spine. And I guess for the 30s, I suppose it was scary. Mm-hmm. And that, that's what we touched on earlier, that as a front-runner, as a first-timer, and listening to it in the dark, sure, 
I mean, it wasn't, it didn't match, like, it's kind of like, another, I'll give you an example of that, too. My, I played a tape once. My, my mom wanted some radio to hear one night. She's going, we're going in through the box looking for tapes for something for her to listen to. And we ran across the 1930s police show called Police Headquarters. Huh? A syndicated show. Uh-huh. About 1934. She listened to that thing and just, it just grossed her. She said, this is awful stuff. <laughs> I mean, it, was, it wasn't up to Dragnet or Lineup or Gangbusters or any of those. And, of course, the thing about police headquarters that bugged her the most, just like one of your other callers, it may have been Kurt was talking earlier, the long music bridge on police headquarters before the story started, mm-hmm. which was, of course, common in the 30s. And that's another thing I encountered when I made the cinnamon bear for one of my 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 former uh, landlord's daughter, who was about seven or eight, we made her a copy of the cinnamon bear to listen to. She hated the music. That that sort of hated her liking the story were those long music bridges, and you know, before the story began. Yeah, that's where the local advertising got. Right, and I tried to explain that to her why they put that music in. And sometimes the explanation makes it more complicated than, than what, she said, well, why isn't there a commercial then? And I said, and I, it was hard to explain to her about syndication and local uh, announcers reading it and these were taken. In other words, sometimes the explanation is harder than just the facts yeah. to a child. Um, you know, the, the, the simplest way to do it is that if everybody was allowed to put in their own advertising in different markets, and this is the way they got the show. Right. Well, you know, and you know, my, I'm making a, we're, we're sending a copy to a friend of mine who is going to be eight years old this year. She's eight years old this year, and we're hoping to send her the Cinnamon Bear for Christmas. And I'm debating, should I try to make a copy and just cut out the music, or just send, a, send her the copy on CDs, just with, just say this is the way it originally sounded, and just leave it at that? This is the way it, my vote is, this is the way it originally sounded, and just leave it like that. Because so many of the shows that we get, I feel robbed, and I know other people do as well, when the openings are cut, when the commercials are cut, there are just pieces snipped out all over the place and what you wind up with is not the original show that bothers me that's what i found with a lot of your internet or a lot of your mp3s you get from various internet sources uh a lot of times they are cut short sometimes the openings are cut short you you really have to be select and some sites are better than others i'm happy if all of yours by the way patricia very much but many sites don't do a good job of, of, of putting the shows together. They're out of order, or they're... But you'll get a lot of times, you'll get shows that are maybe repeated twice mm-hmm. on some MP3 copies. Yeah, I pick that up in a lot of series where uh, they'll, they'll be given a different name. Yeah. And it happens to be the whim of the person who's copying. Walden and I talk about this occasionally, where a person will look at a show and say, well, that's a dumb title, and change it. Yeah. It might have been a dumb title, but it's the one that was on the show. My biggest challenge on that is on Gunsmoke. The very first episode is, of course, Billy the Kid. But you hate to kind of say Billy the Kid for one who's never heard the show because that gives the whole plot away. Yes. And I tell you, the worst one for that is Mr. President. So many catalogs list the stories by the name of the president, which, of course, defeats the whole purpose of the show. Uh Uh-huh. So I've often decided when I do my Mr. Presidents for people, 
is maybe try to make up my own title for, like, say the first one had to do with a coal strike. And maybe I could call it something like action in a coal strike or uh, saving, let's see, something like maybe uh, uh, the, second, the second one had to do with a president needing surgery, the secret illness or something like that. Because I don't want to give the titles because that defeats the show. But there's no, I don't think there's really been a good Mr. President log with the actual script titles. Because I'm sure the script titles didn't have the president's name. I don't know. Walden, are you still there, or are you out making a sandwich? I am here. I'm all ears. Do you feel that way, Walden, about titling Mr. President? I, you know, I'm able to title him in that way and get some growth in the story um, that I, I don't, it doesn't bother me. My preference is to know ahead of time who they're talking about. Otherwise, it doesn't mean a thing to me. Mm -hmm. even, if, even, if, even if listeners were asked to try to guess and all of that on the show. I yeah. hate guessing games. I well, yeah, Edward Arnold did say once in an interview, basically, they're all Edward Arnold. He said that in an interview <laughs> once. They are all Edward Arnold. And I, I just, ask me if I like Mr. President. Do you like it? I hate that show. You really do? I really hate that show. And it would be so much nicer for me. And I would like it. I truly would like the show if I knew ahead of time who they were talking about. Otherwise, it doesn't mean anything so, to me. So I, I guess, Patricia, so you should look at the log and see, see the name of the president, and that way you can enjoy the show. I would enjoy the show if I wanted to take the trouble to do that. No. <laughs> but are the stories themselves, do you find the stories pretty good, generally? Or is it just a performance, or is it just not knowing who the president is, basically? Knowing, and, and this, this great guessing game. Well, let me give you another hint. Well, let me give you another hint. Well, maybe you'll know if I tell you this. I don't care. Tell me Yeah. You mentioned another one that you said you were not a fan of. What was this? Was it some show about great Americans? The lives of great Americans? Oh, gosh, yes. Let me, let me see what that one is. Do not go away. Do hide that. Da, da, da. I have to get to this one. Um, now from Harwood, too. Some really awful shows, and it was in the single shows, and it was uh, Don't Go Away, okay. Not the Adventures of Marco Polo, although it was close, Curtain of Time, Haunted, Origin of Superstition, Pineapple, Tales, oh, maybe it was one of these, Black Flame, Blair of the Mounties, Danger, Sancho, Green Valley, Oh, for goodness sakes, don't go away. I know it's here. <laughs> and? Oh, the lives of great men. Oh, right, the great men, okay. Yes. I mean, do you know who Theodoric the Great is? Oh, was it maybe a king or a... I don't know. I mean, I picked the other two because I did know who they were. Francis of Assisi. Right, famous St. Francis, right. Uh, and Dante. Yeah. Um... But they, they picked, and the shows themselves are as pompous as the names that they picked. Okay. Well, I'm t Ron, my friend, the one I was telling you about, says one show he's really come across that he's really learned to like. I think the show is called Inheritance, sponsored by the American Legion on NBC in 54. Don't know that one. I think it's called Inheritance. 
I don't know that one. I have well, you said it's very good, and, and I know there's one that some collectors have called American Adventure that's supposed to be very good oh. on American history. And I, Now, I like, do, do you like Cavalcade of America? Walden and I do. I think it's very well done. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not really too big on dramatic productions. It's just, you know, my, my ears are happier with a comedy or a mystery or, you know? It's just my ears. I think they're they're exceptionally well done. I think it's a fabulous show. Did you like? Now, did you like? You are there. That one is okay. Mm-hmm. I don't want to tell you why. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's okay because it dramatizes or tries to make entertaining hit an historic count you know, an, an historic event, and I, I'm kind of a history buff, and I would just prefer to have a pure historic event. Now, did you ever hear the series, and there was only 13 of them, Stroke of Fate? No. This had to do with an alternate view of history. NBC ran it for 13 weeks in the fall of 53. Huh? Look it up. I think it's one you would really enjoy. One of the first script was what would have happened, what might have happened if Robert E. Lee had accepted Lincoln's offer and fought for the Union Army, and it was a drama of what they, these historians think might have happened. I think I would like that one. And it was also one about what if, uh, what if, what if, uh, what if Alexander Hamilton had killed Aaron Burr, and what if. Marie and Quanette had escaped the guillotine was one of them. There was one if, what if France had used force against Hitler in 1936? There was one about what if we had not purchased Alaska from Russia? There were 13 of them. I like what if. It's one of the questions that a good fiction writer balances life on. What if? Right. Well, this series, I think you would really enjoy, and there's only 13 of them. They're about 25 minutes apiece. Hmm? A good New York cast was in them, people like Alexander Scorby and Louis Van Ruten and huh? um, people of that ilk, uh, you know, all the top, many of the top New York actors. Huh? And an eminent historian would speak at the end of the show about the show and its premise. And I think you would really enjoy it. Again, it's called Stroke of Fate. Sounds like a good one. It was. I recommend it 100%. And if, and if you're a history buff, you know, you, you do often wonder about these things. If this or that event had, had been altered, how different America's history or world history might have been. But uh, it's one you'd enjoy. Well, anyway, I want to wish you both a good evening. All right, Jim. Thanks for calling. I want to keep up the good work. And by the way, I'm really enjoying... That was, again, that was a great interview with Dusty last week, Patricia, by the way. I didn't get a chance to tell you. I told Walden, you did a great interview with Dusty last week. He was great. Thank you so much. I know that must have been a fun interview to do for you. It was. It was. Well, it was, and you did a wonderful job, and, and uh, keep up the good work. We'll talk to you soon, Jim. Okay. Take care. All right. I need a stretch for a minute, Patricia. I agree. Okay. Let me, so let me uh, 
we're gonna put on a we're gonna put on a famous movie song. Maybe the people may like to know. Patricia, how long, Patricia? Five minutes, ten minutes? What do you think we need? Ten minutes is great. Okay. So, uh, you want me to hang up on you and call you back? Yeah. Would you do that? Okay. Great. And Patricia and I will take a break. We'll be back in ten minutes, everybody. Just try it, and I'll start a riot. Beatrice Fairfax, don't you dare ever tell me he will care. I'm certain it's the final curtain. I never want to hear from any cheerful Pollyanna. It's all bananas. They're riding 
heartstrings as he started to go, then I started to know how it feels when the universe
we're back. Are you sure? I know we are. You're positive? Well, if we're down and off the internet, only you and I will be talking to each other, and that's fine with me. We're going to have a grand time. Uh, However, people yeah. are calling in, so they must be listening. Or else they just know the number by heart, and they figure we'll just go by the phone on Saturday nights. That's a thought. Yeah, that could be the truth. That's a thought. The eagle has not landed right way. Oh, it's still lost. It's still flying with the geese, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> but I checked today. You did double. I did, I did check. The wow. eagle has not landed. Wow, wow. We're our family. Maybe, maybe it went to Kentucky Fried Chicken instead. Oh, my, not my chicken. No. <laughs> oh, oh, Walden. Oh. It'll, come, it'll, it'll arrive in a bat, in a, in a, in a, in a, in a bucket. Oh, no. No. Now, this, uh -uh. this deserves an explanation. Ralph has been talking, or had been talking, about getting some chicks and raising chickens. And we agreed. He said, would it be okay if we named one Walden and one Patricia? And that was wonderful, but the chickies never came about. So he's fixing that. <laughs> Um, and my six hasn't arrived yet. Walden's has arrived, and you're not going to... Uh-oh. Is this the chicken factory? <laughs> not the chicken coop. Hello there. You're on the air. What's, what's going on with all this chicken talk? Ah, it, uh, it hit the chicken hotline. This is, this is the chicken coop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. So, Walden, you got your chicken. I got my chicken. And okay. I want to let you know, Ralph, I wrote about you and Tony in email to Patricia this week. Oh, you did? I did. Sorry. In fact, see, my mom is from a small town in Nebraska. Okay. Oh. oh, yeah. And the, they're near a chicken factory. Uh -huh. And every summer for the last 31 years, my mom's small town, they have chicken chicken show, chicken day. Oh, and my. You, and you can go to com. You can see all the wonderful events, and I thought, I wrote to Patricia, do you think Tony and Ralph will make a trip back there someday to the chicken show? Chickenshow.com? Yep, chickenshow.com. I gotta look at that tomorrow. <laughs> it's worth it tonight, Ralph, if you're near a computer. <laughs> I'm pulling it up now. It's it's looking for the address. And in uh, fact, it got so popular, it got a big boost, because Johnny Carson used to have the winner of the chicken chicken clucking contest on on the Tonight Show every year. Oh, I remember because, something about Yeah, because Johnny used to live a couple miles away from the town, so they had an end to get in and get the guy in on the show, and I've been there. You know, it's funny, he used to talk about old Dr. Sweeting. any doctors in the family, but I, I always thought that was the only other time I'd heard the name. Mm -hmm. Are you ready for some contests at the chicken show? Yeah. Uh, there's, there's a well, uh, I'm not good at chicken plucking, but uh, well, there's, what else do they have? There's the norm, oh, there's the cutest chiclet contest. I don't know how to enter that, though. I think I'm a pretty cute chiclet. <laughs> All right, they've got the normal chicken cooking contest. Turn any kind of chicken or chicken dish. Must be cooked on site. It says ah. 
more details and entry form. Uh, you know what? I don't think I want to eat. Uh, no, I'll cross that one off the list. Um, they have an adorable chicken contest. Oh, they've got the cutest chicklet. The most adorable chicken. No, no adorable, just the cutest. Uh, <laughs> I think adorable ought to be in there. Well, they've got the best chicken legs. Ah, that's nice. These are these are people. They're going to have it says strut those bird legs. So I guess women are going to be walking across the maybe it's it's co ed. I I would guess it's co ed. Best chicken legs, that's all it says. Best chicken hat. The National Cluck Off. That's probably what was on Johnny Carson. Is that possible? Yeah, that was on that was on Johnny. She used to have the winner every year on a show. The clucker. Mm-hmm, the clucker. Uh, yeah, well, they, they look like some pretty serious people. <laughs> know, there's, there's a guy bending over with his wings up. <laughs> uh, and let's see what else. Uh, best chicken hat. This is very good. Um, the rubber chicken, Chuck. There you go, Ralph. Goodness, rubber chicken. Rubber chicken, Chuck. This is not as good well, as... how far you can throw it? I guess so. Uh -huh. so you throw it. Yeah. It says, let's see how far you can chuck your chicken across the barnyard. It doesn't say anything about up chuck your chicken. <laughs> your chicken. Um, and the egg toss, whichever team goes the furthest distance without breaking an egg wins. Oh, boy. This, this sentence, did you ever, I cleaned this. It's, it's a different subject, but did you ever see the pumpkin chunkin' contest on TV? No. These guys, they have it on every year. They have a championship somewhere. And, and they have these, they have catapults, and, and they have air-powered guns with barrels like 50 feet long oh. to see who can shoot a pumpkin in the foot. <laughs> and they call it pumpkin chunkin'. Pumpkin chucking or chunkin. Chunkin. P H U N K I N, I think it is. That's, chunkin. That's funny. Well, they've got an egg drop and catch competition here. Yeah. Did you say that they, you were off the internet tonight? No, I'm on the internet. Well, we're just joshing around, so we should be up. Oh, because you're coming in on my uh, my Wi-Fi real good. Okay, good. We're fine. We were we were just joshing. And Walden. Oh, I see. Yeah. Well, Walden said we're back, and I said, "Are you sure?" And he said, "Well, if we're not, we're talking to ourselves." <laughs> and but we are. But we are. So, would you like to jo would you like to join in the egg drop and catch contest? Yeah, that sounds like a winner. <laughs> I, I'd probably be. Very good at dropping it. This is one of the. <laughs> it's it's like the hammer that you hit and and try to ring the bell at yeah. the carnival. Oh yeah yeah yeah. This is the other way. Sure, I'd go for that. But this is the other way around. They've got a cherry picker, and they're dropping eggs from the cherry picker, and you have to catch the eggs without breaking it. I got it. Uh huh. Uh huh. That's not easy. I'll pass. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to be a great spectator here. Well, I've been to especially the chicken flying contest when you actually they, you have your chicken and you encourage them to fly. Yeah, it says a lot. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm -hmm. well, they can fly a little bit, mm -hmm. not very far. <laughs> you can. <laughs> All right, now this is really easy to participate in. You can fly your own chicken or rent one. Uh -huh. <laughs> you oh yeah. 
was Rent-A-Chick. It's a Rent-A-Chicken service. Well, I, I think I'd bring my own chicken. Yeah, you, yeah the, the cutest, you, you have to bring the cutest chicklet. Tony would be your cutest chicklet. <clears throat> my mom won first place in the chicken singing contest. Chicken singing? Uh-huh. How do you chicken sing? Well, <laughs> it was a little bit rigged. She and her girlfriend thought it would be great, especially her girlfriend thought it would be great to sing. So they're going to sing Rock Around the Clock, you know, and sing the word the chicken, you know, the chicken song, Rock uh, Around the Clock. Like, baka, baka, baka. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And her friend Jane gets scared of lightning. And so, poor mom, they were on stage and they had a lightning storm. And so basically mom had a solo. But uh, this was their class reunion, reunion and the, the judges were basically from their class, so they still gave them first place anyway. Well, that was very sweet. Yes. Yeah, lightning, that's a bad one. My mother used to go in the closet, I swear to God. She hated lightning. Scary, yeah. It's, it's rough stuff. Yeah. Rough stuff. Did you know that Florida is the lightning capital of the world? Well, I do know when, when we visited Fort Myers uh, years ago, we were there for a couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. And we had a thunderstorm every day. There but... Uh, where, where we were, we had to cross over a bridge to get into downtown Fort Myers. Uh-huh. And it would be thunder and lightning on one side of the bridge and not on the other. We thought that... I know. It's really peculiar. You're in, in drought conditions when your neighbor is getting rain and you're not. It's pretty pretty frustrating. Yeah, my, my wife's sister lives in the Tampa area, uh -huh. and uh, I guess there's not much high ground in, in Florida. It's all kind of, well, they live on a little bit of a hill. Yeah. And they get less rain than all the people around them. It's so, it's just strange. Isn't that interesting? Well, well, we are officially the lightning capital of the world. Florida has more lightning strikes every year than any other place in the world. Oh, well, that's marvelous. You can have it. Yep. We don't get much here, but we, we, we're frightened of that dry, dry lightning, no rain. Yeah. Oh gosh. You know, it'll we're, it'll set the world on fire. So what's yeah, that? Yeah, we're you in mean a really forested area, and we've had some doozies. Yeah. So lightning, I mean lightning strike without rain, right? It just comes down. Yeah. Okay. A lot of fires. Wow. Even the stuff that comes with rain, if it's dry, the rain isn't enough to wet down and prevent the fire. So you'll get fire and rain at the same time. I wonder how many TV sets have been blown out in Florida every year by lightning storm. Mine? I, I lost one. I remember you did. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Oh, wow. I did. I think, I think uh, one affected my, my computer one time through the phone circuit. Uh -huh. And uh, the modem or whatever it was had to be replaced. Yeah. Uh, Indeed. So what's going on out in your neck of the woods this week, sir, now that we've gotten the chicken flying contest over and done with? Well, nothing. We've been um, going out on a boat, doing a little fishing, and uh, trying to stay out of trouble, but it's not easy. Have you caught anything this week? Uh, Tony caught a bass about three or four days ago. Mm-hmm. It was a little guy. We let him go. We let most of our fish go. But uh, if they're hooked way down deep inside and you can't get the hook out, then we then we do keep them. 
But, uh, Are there places in town that would buy the fish and cook them? Or you pretty much everything you catch, you just, you're you responsible for? Yeah, uh, I, I don't think you're allowed to sell uh, wild fish that okay. you've caught. Okay. Uh, it's, I, I think it's pretty firm that, you, you know, it's your own consumption. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That sounds fair. Poor fish. I always feel sorry for the fish. Yeah, well, I, uh, I have a tough time really feeling sorry for them, but uh, I do let them go just out of the, just because I'm a good guy, you know. To the goodness <laughs> of your heart, yes, yes. And you're positive I'm not going to get a flock of geese, right? No, no, he, 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 um, he uh, peeled off out of the flock of geese, and he returned to his home nest. Oh, he did. And he's going to recuperate there for a couple of days, and then he's going to go back to Florida. Okay. <laughs> I told you what happened. I sent him to the wrong apartment number. Dad, you should never let me near a, a computer because I, I goof up all the time. Oh, not a goof. Just um, makes me wait longer, that's all. Right, and, and you know, you can always talk be- to... Uh, Walden's mom, because she knows how to take care of them things. <laughs> I'm sure the one that he has is in very good hands. It is. I, I brought it out tonight. My mom saw the label and said, what, what's the story about the chicken? So I had to talk about you out tonight for dinner. You're my dinner topic. So I brought out the chicken and everything. Oh, my goodness. You know? And what did your mom say? What's up with the chicken? Well, she, she, <laughs> she thought it was cute, especially when I told her that I was gonna, Patricia, we're going to talk about this Wayne Chicken Show down in uh, Wayne, Nebraska tonight. So. Uh, uh, Wayne, Nebraska. i got to look that up tomorrow. Wayne, Nebraska. 4,200 people. Well, they're sure making a big flap over there. <laughs> <laughs> Patricia. Oh, yeah. They have a parade and everything. My, my uncle is a retired four-star general, and they asked him to be the grand marshal. Huh? And he was so relieved when he realized he didn't have to carry a rubber chicken through the parade. Oh, bless oh, really? <laughs> where, would, where would he pin that on his shoulders? <laughs> but, you know, they, they get, you know, they go ahead and have the, the old-fashioned get the fire trucks out and uh-huh. get the uh, get the trucks out at the different high school classes. All the high school classes. See, first through, no, kindergarten, yeah, first grade through 12 are, are all in the same building. In Wayne, uh-huh. and oh, really? yeah, all to, all the grades were in one building, and uh, of course the teachers that have been there for thirty years, they basically had generation after generations of family, and so it was just a big family get together. So they always have their high school reunion there, and uh, around the second shows, so it's a big it's a big deal in Wayne, well, Nebraska. I think I told you folks once that in in this little town where we live. The, uh, they had a one-room schoolhouse, which is now a library and museum. Yeah. You sent me some they, And they had all the grades in the same little building. And okay. there's still a couple of guys around that actually graduated from the, from the old schoolhouse. My, my, mom, my, my mom said it's nothing like growing up in a small town, because generally you know, there was 57 in their class, and generally, you know, here is 55 years later or so, they get close to, in the mid to high 40s, kids come back to attend the high school reunion. They're still oh, pretty, yeah. They're still we pretty. Went to, uh, we went back to New York to Tony's 50th mm-hmm. high school reunion. And we were just walking down the street. And her, she, she met this woman walking down the street. And they recognized each other from 50 years ago. That's wow. They were in the same class. <laughs> 
I don't think I would recognize anybody from that that far back. <laughs> That's amazing. That is amazing. That, that really that is. is. I know you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you don't. <laughs> That's interesting because that's exactly what our Fibber McGee and Molly show is about tonight. Somebody meeting on the street and saying, I know you. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I was listening to them last night. They had a, they had a good one. McGee was trying to make cloth out of paper. Oh, gosh, yes. Wasn't that a great show? I, I, I got a kick out of it. Uh, of yeah. Too much fun. Are you in the market for a question? Sure, I'm, I'm, I'm game. I'll try. All right. You sure you're up to this now? I, I, I hope so. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> I'm getting excited now. Yes, yeah, I, I need one. <laughs> He's getting warmed up. All right. What role did Eddie Anderson have on the Jack Benny show? No, he was Rochester. That's right. Very excellently good. Now, what was Rochester's full name? Oh. That's a toughie. Gosh. Yeah, now that I don't know. Okay, well, you can leave that out for the audience. What was the full name? Oh, gee, and I knew it. And when, when when Eddie Anderson first came on the show, what was the name he went by at the beginning? He meaning Eddie Anderson or Rochester? Eddie Anderson. When he first made his first appearance on the Jack Benny show, uh-huh. what was the name of his character? Oh, his character. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you, you're way ahead of me, Walter. That's I, okay. I, that's okay. I, I haven't got that one. That's okay. Just Ralph. You know, you know, he did. Uh, I, I always thought it was funny. Jack Benny put in his, in his, his book, uh, John Benny put, that he received a letter from somebody who thought, You are such a mean person, Jack Benny, for having Rochester not taking uh, care of him, paying his right wages. And Jack wrote back, You know, Mr. Andy. And, Mr. Andy Anderson made such and such a salary. He had a 30-room house, a servant, and he had six, <laughs> and he got six race horses, and one just went to the Kentucky Derby. I think he's doing just fine. Wow. You know. Well, you know, well, he used to get as, as many laughs as Benny did when he was on the program. Oh, oh yeah. Lordy. Everybody loved Rochester. Oh, yeah. At, at least. I think he probably after was probably the most popular character on the, on the show. I think everybody... Waited to hear. He he was the Leroy. Yes. That show. Yes. I agree. Jack Benny would not have been the same without having no. Rochester in that voice. But you know, in the, oh, the, the voice was fantastic. Oh. The voice was great. The woman who wrote in was actually paying an extraordinary compliment, although it came in a in an odd wrapper. Mm-hmm. That Jack Benny and the show characters were so convincing that she thought they were real. That's true. Uh-huh. That's true. But, you know, it used to drive Jack Benny nuts because Andy Rochester was always late to everything. Late really? to rehearsal, late to train trips, late to everything. <laughs> In true life? Yes. And so one time uh-huh. they were going to take a train from California to New York. And Jack was not too happy because they had to pull out of L.A. And Rochester was not on the train. Oh, my. And he said, you know, guys, he was telling me, you know, I'm going to take care of this. I'm definitely going to take care of this. Well, the next town, they pulled it was in San Bernardino. And for the audience, that's about an hour outside. Guess who was sitting out there on the train deck 
with boxes and boxes of barbecue ribs. And so they had to open up the, uh, the dining room and Rochester brought all the ribs and everything in and the cast and the writers were eating this rib and uh, one of the writers said, Jack, you know, it's a little hard to be mad at a guy when you're eating his food. That's true. <laughs> I think... Uh, I wonder if Rochester planned it just to uh, probably did. reaction. Probably did. Yeah, it sounds like <laughs> it. Because he was pretty well prepared. And actually, I don't know if more people know, he did get lost at sea one time. Uh, Rochester, in the late 40s, got lost at sea, and they didn't know he was going to be found. And he was found the day before the broadcast, and so the writers actually wrote a whole uh, situation just for Rochester being discovered at sea for the broadcast the next day. Well, then what were the circumstances that he was lost at sea? He, he went out fishing and got and got caught. And so the boat went out near Catalina, and they couldn't find him for several days. Wow. Yeah, it's a lot. You go out towards Catalina. That's a lot of water. Yeah, it's a lot of water. Cause it, for artists, it's about 26 miles from LA to Catalina. So to get yeah, right. If you get caught in a what, a, a riptide or something, Ralph, you could you could be drifting out there, I guess, right? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it depends on the boat, you know. And he was found by the uh, by the uh, you know the, the police out there. They they went and found him. Well, he lucky. He was sure was. You know, uh, at one time I considered uh, taking my, my my personal boat down there and, and actually making the trip from Long Beach to Catalina. Oh, yeah. But I I, um, I looked into it a little, and uh, it seems like uh, you're not welcome in that marina if you're not uh, if you're not a member of the organization that mm. they have, the Yacht Club or whatever. So you sure get come down to come down here to Newport Beach. You know, that's the, that's the capital of all the small small boats. Oh yeah, in Newport Beach, that went down where I am. Cause that's where John, you know, that's where John Wayne had his boat, and and that's where a lot of the movie stars used to go to Catalina. I think from this neck of the wood, cause uh, Reagan and uh, John Wayne, and I think Bogart used to go to Catalina practically every weekend. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of nice over there. Mm-hmm. We didn't spend we spent uh, I think two days over there. It was it was really nice. For the f- people who don't know the Wrigley family wound up oh, yeah. buying the island. And they still own the island, pretty much. They, them and their foundation pretty much still own the island of Catalina. Yeah. Yeah, they had their, uh, they had their own little airport up yeah. on top. Uh, That's true. I guess it was Wrigley's air, airfield. Yeah. And uh, we went up there by bus. And we saw a buffalo along the way, which is, I had never seen before. It was really interesting. Are they on a special diet? 
Are the ones that I sent? Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yes, they definitely are. Lemon drops or something, right? They're, yeah, they're a hybrid, you know. Yeah. They're, they're not just an average chicken. They're, they're really specialized chickens. Hybrids are nice. You're starting to sound like Nolan. Nolan, cho you, you may have missed this because Nolan calls in late on Saturdays. He told his kids when they were little, when they were going past junkyards that were squashing cars, yeah. that the cars could be rehydrated. Next, you know, they they would later on they would water them and they'd all spring back together. Uh, <laughs> I believed them. Yeah, you gotta have an imagination. Well, he sure. uh, we had a neighbor over here that had a uh, an Air Force jet trainer in his yard. <laughs> he, he he was like uh, the honorary mayor of town, and they had got this thing from the Air Force, and they were going to put it in the little park that we have. Uh -huh. But they didn't do it because they were afraid kids would get hurt on it, so it was sat in this guy's yard. And my grandson, my youngest grandson, was pretty young, I said. Come on with me, I swear. I gotta show you this. We had a plane crash in town last night. <laughs> so I started, he was about eight years old. I, I took him over there. He sees it. Airplane sitting in the guy's yard. He said, oh, grandma. <laughs> and you know, we have lumber trucks here all the time. Well, have you ever told, have you ever told your grandchildren a story or something that you, and you leave them with your kids and they have to straighten their, their, their kids, their, 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 your grandsons out or granddaughters out? Hmm. I, no, I don't no, think never so. done anything like that. Okay. I guess I would. You know, you know a, a funny story, uh, my, my wife was watching our, our grandson while she was putting him to bed one night. And she said, Nicholas, you lay here nice and quiet, and the Sandman, Sandman is going to come and put, you know the story about the Sandman, right? He's going to put sand in your eyes, and you're going to go to sleep. Well, the kid got hysterical. Jeez. No! <laughs> he ran downstairs with my mommy, there's a man coming, he's going to put sand in my eyes. <laughs> oh, well. And said, oh, my God. <laughs> Oh, that poor thing. last thing she wanted to do was scare him. Yeah. yeah. She scared the, the jabbers out of him. Oh, my goodness. Oh, gee. Oh, that poor kid. Yeah, you know, and when, when I grew up, uh, it was, I don't know, I always knew about the Sandman, but this guy had never heard about it. He just had a fit. Oh, God. Oh, the poor little guy. <laughs> yeah, we, we felt terrible. We're going to have to put you and Nolan together, you with the plane crash. And Nolan used to tell his kids if they got, when they were out on the road, if they got up early enough, they could see the cows putting to, rolling up their bed rolls. And he would point to the rolls of hay out in the field. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And if they got there and the cows were in the field and the rolls were there, that they hadn't gotten up early enough to see the cows put their their, um, what am I trying to say? Their sleeping bags. Their sleeping bags. Uh-huh. Yeah, their sleeping equipment, right? Yeah. Well, I, I started to tell you about the logging trucks, and I don't know, I got off on something else. But my grandson was in the car with me, and here comes this great big truck full of these huge logs heading for the mill. Mm -hmm. And he says, what's that? I said, oh, that's 
all those trees are going up to the toothpick factory. <laughs> and says, the guy only gets one truckload a year and he makes toothpicks out of And by that time he was around 12 and he started to take everything I told him with a little grain of salt. Uh-huh. <laughs> I didn't get that one over on him. But no, I, I, but he, he smartened up. The plane, the plane crash, yeah, definitely. I got him on that one. I guess so. Well, I can understand why that would happen. I mean, who would expect to see a plane in somebody's front yard? Exactly, yeah. And I don't know. I guess at one time the government was uh, just giving them away to to, uh, to towns and cities to put in their parks for, uh, for a display. Yeah. It's really a shame that we're so conscious of... Maybe somebody's going to get hurt. Maybe somebody will climb on it. Maybe somebody will do something that they're not supposed to. And we're robbing everybody of these wonderful experiences. Yeah, I was just thinking. I, I, I shudder to think of how it would be, have been growing up if I had to uh, worry about all the things that they worry about today. Uh-huh. I mean, for example, after World War II, what did they do with all those airplanes? I think they stored a lot of them out in the desert. Oh, yeah. And I, I imagine we sunk quite a few of our own battleships right after World War II. Yeah, we, we did use a lot of uh, uh, a lot of our ships for target practice, and and when they had the big uh, atomic uh, tests at Bikini Atoll, yeah, they had a whole fleet of old Navy ships sitting out there, mm-hmm. and just to see what would happen to mm-hmm. them, and uh, pretty devastating. Not to measure what it did to that little island. Oh, I bet it did. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they say they still can't live there. All the nuclear waste, right? Yeah, the yeah. people the people wanted to go back a few years ago, and I don't know if they ever let them, but it's still a danger. Well, Total stuff. Okay, now, I've got your envelope with stuff in it. Yeah, stuff. Yeah, what, what other stuff can I put in there? Uh... Yeah, I'm thinking um, a, a lot of stuff I used to see on television, like that. Uh, but that that wouldn't, I don't think that would apply. Like fractured fairy tales and uh, Rocky and Bullwinkle that were uh, yeah. not necessarily made for children. They were also made for adults. Were made for adults and wrapped in children's packages, I think. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of double meanings going by. I love Rocky and Bullwinkle. I don't have oh, any... they were funny. ...to them. What was that? Boris Badinoff and... Boris Badinoff and Fatali. Fatali was her name? Yes. And that ah. was tri- that'll be a trivia question down the line, what Natasha's last name was. Now, here's, here's a little chunk. Walden will give you this chunk. Um, June Foray... Walden mentions her name periodically. June Foray was the voice of Rocky the Squirrel. Oh, I see. She also did Natasha. Uh, some people were so talented. I know. You, know. you hear some of the old radio programs and they'll say that one guy played three or four parts. Uh, it just amazes me. Mm-hmm. Paul Freeze was that way. He could... Uh, he. I have four parts 
Um, it, it was a four-part show that Paul Fries did, and he played all of the characters in this. And it's kind of a, a semi-spooky show. Uh-huh. It was so well done. And then to find out at the end that he was the voice of all of the characters just blew me away. Yeah, it's amazing. Some people can... I would, uh, I can make all sorts of different voices, but I would get them mixed up in, in trying to put them together, you know. Yes, yes, having a conversation with yourself and having to remember to switch voices. Brian yeah, exactly. Hendricks. Uh, the guy that plays the old time, uh, the old music uh-huh. on, uh, on your station. Right. Huh? He, oh, um. Uh, does several things. He's got other people in the room with him, but yeah. it's all him. Larson. Yeah, no, Larson. I know, I know the, in the old radio days, what they would do is use different color pants. That way they they knew they didn't mix themselves up when they were on the air. What voice would be what, for what color? Ah, so that yeah. helped, that oh, yeah, helped well, them I out. I know that they, they did have colors in the, uh, in the script. Mm-hmm. Well, that would make sense. Mm-hmm. That would help. Mm-hmm. My goodness. Well, listen. <laughs> Excuse me. I think I'm running out of stuff to say. Well, how's the weather, by the way? Is it pretty decent? Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. God, it's so lovely. It's been in the uh, in the uh, to upper 80s, which is about 10 or 12 degrees cooler than we normally have at this time of year. Wow, and Texas got the heat that you... Oh, they got murdered. <laughs> They're getting hammered. Awful stuff. Okay. Uh, I don't know how many days in a row, 25, 30 days in a row, it's been over 100. 39, uh, 36 or 39, I can't recall which, and that's only because they had two days in there where it dipped into the 90s. Otherwise, it would have been several months. It's uh, awful. It's, yeah, that's terrible. And, and a, uh, a huge drought, from what I understand. Very bad. We were in a drought up here for about three years, but it broke this year. Our uh, our lake, our big lake, wasn't usable hardly at all last year. Wow! And very poor the year before, but this year it's full right up to the brim. Cool. Every- and I like it like that. Well, I'm going to pick something out of this gang of shows and send it to you. Yeah. 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 That that'd be great. Oh, uh, Patricia, that's a new cat. Say that again, please. I said I can't think of anything in particular that I really need. We can always call this Patricia Potluck. Yeah. Uh, that would be just fun. Yeah. I, I, would, uh, I would enjoy that. Mm-hmm. Potluck it is. Mm-hmm. You will have Patricia's Potluck. Mm-hmm. Sounds, like, sounds like a winner. Yep, a new category. So if you don't know what you want, have Patricia P- Potluck it for you. It's a PPL. Patricia's potluck. Okay, I'm, I will send a, a potluck. I'll just close my eyes and pick one. Okay, that's great. Okay, we'll talk. And um, uh, I enjoy you guys so much. And Patricia, thanks for being so patient. Oh, with my chicken. chicken. <laughs> that, well, yeah. thank you to the chicken for not giving up. I tell, I tell you, Patricia's not planning to move until the chicken shows up. This is true. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Good. Yeah. This is true. Yeah. All right, listen, I'll, I'll say goodnight to you folks. Goodnight, Ralph. Great talking to you. Same here. Bye. Yay. Yeah. All right, 714-545-2071. It is summertime here in 
the United States, and hello there. You're on the air. Oh, this is your roving reporter. Chad, how are you doing? Fine, you guys are pretty popular. It's hard to get a hold of you. Oh my gosh, where are you tonight? Oh, uh, well, I'm not going to say right off because it'll give away the surprise. Okay, okay. okay. Oh, no. We're going to know? Well, yesterday was uh, Lucille Ball's 100th birthday, correct? Uh-huh. But do you know who would have been 100 uh, on Friday? This coming Friday or yesterday? This last Friday. This last Friday. So that'd be the August the 5th. I'm expecting Walden to know this because he knows everything. <laughs> um, hundred. If you don't know it, I'm going to be very disappointed. Oh, great. Can I go look up my notes? I got to go by my memory. Well? I could uh, give you a couple hints. Yeah, let's do that. Let's play, let's no, yes, let's play trivia. Yeah, let's play trivia. He was known for having the perfect profile. Does that help? Oh, okay, I'll bet John Barrymore. Nope. Okay. Uh, let's see. Well, he was in radio, of course, yeah. otherwise I probably wouldn't be mentioning it. <laughs> mentioning it. Okay. Do you guys have anything to do with radio or anything? Yeah, so born in 1911, okay. Yes, um... <laughs> He, once, for Jack Benny, he substituted while he was on vacation in 1948. I'll bet Walden gets it now. I'm thinking 48, huh? Robert you Taylor. How about, how, about, how about somebody that was born in Nebraska, Robert Taylor? Yep, you got All it. All right, thank you, Chad. I'm impressed. I'm impressed Chad even knew, got that one down pat. I am oh, I'm impressed. I mean, he, he was born like 15 miles from where I grew up. Yeah, I know. He's one of the legendary figures from Nebraska. I, I, yeah, a, a lot of people don't know. A, a lot of people were born from Nebraska. Fred Astaire was born from Nebraska. Uh, the the Fonda, Henry Fonda, the, and the, the, all the kids used to grow up in Nebraska. Johnny Carson. Johnny Carson. Uh, Dick Cavett. So, those are the ones I can think of right off the bat who were from the state uh, in Nebraska who had some show business background. So. And another one, Harold Lloyd. Harold Lloyd, that's right. You case we dropped me an email, that's right. And, um. That's not bad for me. Yeah, it's not bad. Not bad. Now, that's have you ever been to. Uh, you know, we were talking earlier, Chad, about uh, Chicken Days in Wayne, Nebraska. You ever been to Chicken Days over in Wayne, Nebraska? Uh, no, I haven't, actually. I, I hadn't heard of it before. Chickenshow.com. You can take a peek at that. Yeah, I typed that out okay. on the computer just Are there anything in your hometown that's somewhat similar, like a festival or anything that you need to your stomping ground? Well, in Beatrice, they have the... A uh, few miles west of town, they have the Homestead National Monument of America, which is the site of the first... the very first homestead... I believe, or maybe it's the very first homestead in Nebraska. But uh, they have, uh, in early, early spring, they have a homestead days, and that's unique. That's right. A uh, few years ago, we had um, cast members from Little House on the Prairie, of course. You have to have those visit yeah. and talked about about making uh, doing the Little House on the Prairie show and stuff. So we, we get some, we have some pretty neat events around here. Wow. Wow, that's pretty good. 
Now, um, is it just me, or does it seem like Robert Taylor is not as well-known as some of the other big movie stars of I, the same era? I think you're probably... I think you're probably right. Yeah, he's in movies for like... Forever. Plus years, yeah. Well, I, I think he is, he and Tyrone Power were known for their great looks. Mm-hmm. And I don't think of too many stories, movies that people would still remember. Sure, like what Clark Gable's known was Gone with the Wind. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I can't think of any movie that people would still... Uh, think it was Robert Taylor still being shown today, so maybe that's uh, part of it going to be my be my guess. Well, I could name a few, see okay. if you know of them. Okay. Okay. Uh, Westward the Women. Okay. Camille. Yeah, that's a, that's a fairly famous one, right? Okay, Camille, yep. Magnificent Obsession. Yeah, that's pretty famous, yeah. Billy the Kid. Maybe not so much. Right, not much. Uh, E-Day the 6th of June. Mm-hmm. Covadis. Covadis, he's pretty big, yeah. Ivanhoe. Mm-hmm. Knights of the Round Table. Right. And Quentin Durwood, I think, is another one. And The Last Hunt. Okay. Those are some of the latest. I, I think maybe Cam- a few more. I think Camille probably the most famous one. I think Greta Garbo was in that. Yes. So I think that, and most people think of that being her movie. So, so that'd be my guess. Walden, is he one of the actors in the entertainment industry in general who was consistently good but had nothing spectacular that would shove him out in front of the world? Well, I think he was really... Everybody in the 40s knew because he was was such a good-looking guy. He was a good-looking guy. Good-looking guy. And and also... um, His wife was a terrific actress. and, And that was Barbara Stanwyck. Yeah, and but I'm I'm thinking that he might not be as readily known because he didn't do something or 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 didn't have a credit that was on the scale of a Gone with the Wind. Correct. Also, I saw wonder because he died, I think, in 1965 of lung cancer. Uh huh. Um, you know, him not. Let's face it, he wasn't 65 born. We're talking 46 years ago here, he was only in his 50s. Yeah, he died in 1969 at the age of 58. Yeah, so if you think about it, not a long period of lifespan. Yeah. So he, 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 did, had, his, he had his own TV show also hmm. in the early 50s or late 50s. Right. Detective show, I believe it was. Wow. And I, I got the impression that he was well known in his time in the 30s and the or, more in the 40s and the 50s I, when I, he did those costume dramas, I guess you call them. Yeah, I think you're right. Seems like he's not as well known. He's not as well known as some of the stars of the same era of the same caliber nowadays. I think you're right. He used to be and, the host on the Good News Radio show. Uh, yes, I. You have some of those that you hear him on now. Yes, I heard a few of those, and I've heard a few of his Lux Radio Theater appearances. I think he did like seven of them. Right. I was looking up. And then he, if you, you notice, he did help. He was on Benny's show. He, he and Barbara were really good friends with uh, one of Jack and uh, Mary Livingston, Jack being best friends. So they used to go over to the house quite a bit. And do you know what musical instrument he played? I do not. He played it on Jack Benny's show. 
Was it the uh, clar the clarinet? Well, you got the first letter right, but it wasn't the clarinet. The cello? Yes. Wow. Wow. Now, I'm trying to remember, what's his real name? I know it's not Robert Taylor. Okay, uh, Spangler Arlington Bruise. That's right. I guess that's not and for Taylor. <laughs> wow. Phil Harris. Phil Harris was making a big joke about it on the uh, Jack Benny show. And he, pl he played the cello during the uh, singing commercials, <laughs> which was unique. So it, and I, I found that show on one of the discs you gave me, Patricia, so you, should, you might be able to find it. It's from May of 1948. Okay. I'm going to look it up and listen to it. It sounds like a winner. <laughs> yeah, it, it's interesting. But anyway, the reason I called, uh -oh. because, well, since he was born in a local town and was raised in a local town, and since Friday was his 100th birthday, uh, we had a big, huge celebration in Beatrice, where oh. he grew up um, until he was like 18, 17 or 18. And a few authors came. They, re they wrote some books that came out about him just like in the past couple of years, and they spoke about him. And also, I got to meet his children. No kidding! Very nice. Well, now, it, are there any in Beatrice? Do they have the hometown, uh, the hometown like a, a landmark, a city landmark or anything? Uh, the brew house is still there. Mm -hmm. Um they, the Seroptimist Society had it open yesterday, today, or Saturday, and I believe somebody, it's still used as a resident, residential home and somebody lives in it, but I think it's a, I think it's a well-known landmark, so to speak, for the community, um, maybe not so much for the worldwide or the nation, but it's known. You have a, um, a you have a motion picture? theater in Beatrice? I mean, I'm surprised they don't do, show some movies of uh, Robert Taylor this weekend. Well, actually, actually they did. Um, this whole week they've been having a few events, but most of them were on Friday and Saturday. Okay. Um, the local movie theater did actually show earlier this evening, D-Day, the 6th of June. Mm. And that was the only one they were showing in the theaters. Now, they did show a few at... Uh, the local community players. Um, but yeah, they've, they've been screening several movies. And so what, how many kids did he, how, how many kids were there this weekend? And were there, uh, did he have a daughter or son? Who, who, who was there from the family? Well, um, he, uh, with his second wife, he had two children. And um, she also had, previously had two children with her previous marriage. Uh, one of them died just like, two weeks before Robert Taylor did. Mm. And so, uh, but only two of them were there, his children. Terry and Tessa were there. They were born in, I think, 1955 and 1959, something like that. Mm. And they're, they're really tall and skinny, just like he was. <laughs> Actually, a little taller than he was. Uh -huh. And they said he was only... 5'11", although in the movies he looks taller. And his son is like 6'4". Mm. He's really tall. Wow. Harry had, um, what was that? Get, did you get to talk with them? Uh, yes. Uh, I asked a few questions. Um, I asked them if they'd seen pretty much most of the movies and 
heard his radio appearances, and they'd heard quite a few of them. Mm-hmm. And, um... Um... Well, I'm glad the city decided to do something. They should probably, you know, um, it was interesting. Clark Gable, uh, when it got to be close to Clark Gable's 100th birthday, they, um, well, actually, one of his some dick jockey called his hometown uh, in Ohio and said, you know what birthday this was, and, and they didn't know, and it was Clark Gable, and then the founding fathers of the town, they really decided to need to do something, so they made it the town, the, the, a, uh, a town, a, you know, a city monument, and they started to have film festivals, and it sort of was a way for the town to generate some income, and so, who knows, maybe Beatrice should do something like that. Yep, that, they'd been planning it for at least a year, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you know, when you're out here in a town, uh, state like Nebraska, you kind of uh, stereotype of being a hick, hick country. You kind of you're kind of proud of the people who make it big. And in the case of Robert Taylor, he he still had his Nebraska values. Even in Hollywood, he was a private person. He didn't get into lots of scandals, and he was very down to earth. And people said he he didn't say any bad bad things about anybody. He's very tactful, kind, and generous, and very soft-spoken. So, and his children are just like that. Did his children have any memories of their father's work and the studios and 